welcome to another episode of Splice, Splice Together. Together. I'm Michelle. But we need a few good taters. What's taters, Brussels? What's taters, huh? And I'm Harper. Potatoes. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Lovely big golden chips with a nice piece of fried fish. <laughs> On this episode, we'll be discussing Peter Jackson's epic Lord of the Rings trilogy, specifically the extended versions. Um, so like 12 hours of movies? Yes, yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, only if you count the insane amounts of credits. <laughs> yeah, minus 20 minutes of credits. Yeah. Um, we'll be talking about everything from effects to music to characters, best lines, worst lines, best trivia, worst trivia, and of course, the best potato recipes that we can offer you. Potato recipes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, you can boil them. Yeah, mash them. <laughs> and put them in a stew. <laughs> uh, and if you haven't seen The Lord of the Rings, also, what is wrong with you? If you haven't, just beware, there will be spoilers. There is a lord, and he has rings. Basically, sum it up. No, but yeah, we're telling us about all these movies because they're like 20 years old at this point. So. Yep. So, here we go. Lord of the Rings. Legend tells of a ring created by an ancient evil that gave its wearer the power to enslave the world. Believed lost for centuries... It has now been found. Is it secret? Is it safe? This is the One Ring, forged by the Dark Lord Sauron. Sauron needs only this ring to cover all the lands of a second darkness. He's seeking it. Seeking it all. His thought is bent on it. No one knows it's here, do they? Do they, Gandalf? The weapon of the enemy is a gift. Let us use it against him. You cannot wield it. None of us can. The ring must be destroyed. It was made in the fires of Mount Doom. Only there can it be unmade. I know what I must do. I'm afraid to do it. One does not simply walk into Mordor. There is no other way. There's something down there. So let's talk about The Fellowship of the Ring. Movie number one. From 2001. Really that old? Yeah. I didn't realize. Believe it or not. It holds up so well. <laughs> All right. So how should we do this? Do we want to just talk about our... Well, let's let's give a... Let's well, give... first you got to tell everyone what the movie's about. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> so The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> All right. So the, the, I guess this is maybe this... I'll try and do it as simple as possible. That... Uh, 
this is a story all about Frodo. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's a bunch of mythical rings, but the only one that is really important is there's one ring to rule them all that was created by an evil wizard guy named Sauron. Is he a wizard? I think he was, but that's way deeper. That's He's, like before yeah. Lord of the Rings. He's evil. Yeah, evil guy. Pure evil. Evil lord, the dark lord, <laughs> etc. Voldemort, you know, the drill. Yeah. Uh, he made a, a ring that made him extremely powerful, and then... Uh, when the armies of elves and dwarves and men defeated him, instead of destroying the ring, they one of the men kept it for himself and it corrupted him and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Down the line, uh, Sauron is trying to come back. He needs the ring to come back in physical form. And the ring is in the hand of a hobbit, which is a, a small... Hobbit. They're like little <laughs> humans with big hairy feet. With big hearts. And big hearts. And big stomachs. Big stomachs bigger stomachs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big hearts, bigger butts. You got a good life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the very simple gist of what's happening then is that then these hobbits, namely Frodo, but also Sam, Mary, and Pippin, have to join in a fellowship, a group of nine people who are trusted to destroy the ring to basically save the world. Yeah. That's like the simplest version of the story. Um, so let's talk about, do you remember the first time you saw the Fellowship of the Ring? I'm guessing it was in theaters. Yeah, I definitely saw it. But I don't remember. I remember more like seeing the second and third one. I remember being very excited about the second one. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I know I would have seen it in theaters, so I don't know. Yeah. I definitely saw it in theaters, but yeah, I mean, I was, how old? We were 13 years old. school. Yeah. Um, I definitely remember this coming out and I remember it being like, I don't know. It definitely opened my eyes to like fantasy stuff. Like I had never really been into yeah. fantasy stuff before. Um, and I definitely remember it feeling like this is a movie that like, I've never seen a movie like this before. Was this, did Harry Potter movies come out around now? Did we I have like, like the best middle school years of fantasy movies? <laughs> I feel like Harry Potter came a little later. Because I feel like when the first movie came out, I was a little too old for the movies at that Or Harry point. Potter? Yeah. I mean, I read the first couple books when no, I was at the right age. first one was 2001. Oh, wow. Okay. Man, what a year. Because we're like the same age as Harry. And those have good effects too, but not on the scale No, of the first this. one's too childish, uh, but... Um, I mean, Harry Potter movies have good effects and stuff, but yeah. the Lord of the Rings movies, like, to me... It's like to adult me, fantasy. Well, and it's not even just that. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm almost, right now, just talking about, sorry, from like a filmmaking perspective, that it's like, uh, I don't feel like yeah. I'd ever seen something this epic in scale before. Probably not. Like, I remember it used to be a thing, we used to look up... Um, there was a really old website that was just text and it would tell you the body counts of movies. And we'd always be like, these Lord of the Rings movies do not count because they are insanely high because it's all like a hundred million. Yeah. It's a bunch (laughs) of computer generated stuff, but it's really incredible. Um, I think I've probably talked about it on the show on this show before, just because I find it really fascinating that Peter Jackson directed the Frighteners that is like not super well known at this point, but it's a good, it's a good movie. It's one of the last like, pg horror movies that like shouldn't have been pg kind of thing um (laughs) but uh and then because he had all these computers left over from doing the special effects for that movie which he i guess he found it's weta workshop is his uh i don't know how you pronounce w-e-t-a is like his special effects company (laughs) Uh, but they had all these computers and they're like what should we do with all this and he was like well i've always wanted to do lord of the rings (laughs) and so that's kind of just how it started he probably did it on purpose all of the movies he's made was just leading up to this this it's like i gotta learn how to do practical effects and force perspective (laughs) clearly he was a big fan yeah um (laughs) 
let's talk about some things we like about this movie first before I get into some trivia stuff. Uh, I love this movie. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to like separate them because we've been watching the extended editions. And so like, I don't even think I could ever go back to the original cuts. <laughs> yeah, I think I want more. <laughs> I only feel like there's one scene that I remember from the last time we watched all three extent. Cause okay. So at the time of this recording, we've only watched fellowship so far. Like, yeah. I, I mean, we've seen them before lots of times, but yeah, for this watch, um, but yeah, I feel like there's only one part in the extended editions that I really feel is like, Oh, this definitely shouldn't, this should have remained cut. And I want to say it's in return of the King. I don't, it's in one of the second two ones, mm. but yeah, I think just cause this world is so like fleshed out and interesting and beautiful. Like I always want to spend more time in it. Like, yeah, I, it doesn't bother me at all that the movies are extremely long. Plus Everybody's like, yeah, the movie's like three and a half hours on. It's like, okay, remember a half hour of that is the credits. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's still a very long movie, but I mean, a huge chunk of that is the credits. So. Yeah. Uh, what else do you love about this movie? Um, I love the effects. I love the costumes. I love the music. I love the actors. I love um everything. <laughs> Since you brought up effects. One of the things we want to talk about for each of these is our favorite practical effect for each movie. Yeah. So what's your favorite practical effect from The Fellowship of the Ring? It's kind of obvious, but I love the force perspective techniques. That's and mine too. very <laughs> specifically, like all the stuff in the beginning with the hobbits yep. and comparing their size and like having Gandalf like on a wagon and Frodo looks like normal and not stretched out or miniature or anything and it's just very complicated but mm -hmm. looks amazing and i'm glad that he did that because like there's one scene where gandalf is in uh bilbo's house and that was the only time i was like oh it looks like he's he kind of paced hat. into it Huh? Is it when he hands him his hat when he first comes in the house? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only part when I was like, oh, that doesn't look as good as I remembered. But then everything else was like, oh, yeah, this is great. <laughs> I don't even notice it. Even I didn't even notice that scene until you pointed it out, uh, really, as looking kind of odd. Because it all just feels so natural. Yeah. Like, you never even really think about the fact that, like, oh, yeah, Ian Holm is not, like, three and a half feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, all the the force perspective stuff is amazing, and it, I love how it works. But it's not a kind of thing you could explain on a podcast and it'd be entertaining at all. Yeah, but if you watch, you just on, have just, weird angular furniture. Yeah, it's like there's <laughs> small furniture and big furniture, and the seam between the two is cut exactly so the camera doesn't see the seam. Yeah. And even when the camera moves, the set moves with the camera opposite with the camera. So that seam is always lined up. And it helps. I think it, all the framing, like you crop off their legs so you can't see. Yeah. There's most stuff like of that. that. Like if they're standing. And they make like smaller props for Gandalf so that he seems yeah. bigger and bigger props for Frodo. So he seems smaller. And, um, yeah, I mean, they'd used all kinds of tech. Yeah. I, I can throw in a piece of trivia too, that for that they used, um, on top of using that the scale force perspective stuff, they also used uh, small little people stand-ins, which yeah. are really funny and crazy looking in the behind the scenes because sometimes they wear these incredibly creepy looking masks of the hobbits yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that are like life cast masks of Elijah Wood. And, <laughs> uh, but um, and then sometimes they're just in makeup, and then the even weirder thing than doing the small stand-ins is they had what they call bigatures, mm -mm. which were these people in these giant suits that made them look like nine foot tall people so that they could the walk around. Yeah. They could walk around <laughs> Elijah Wood and seem like they're 
Yeah, that's normal that human crazy sight. looking. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like they had like stilts and they had like long arms and yeah. they could move the hands like in time with their own real hands. Yeah. And they're just, and they have, but they still have these tiny little human heads because you, <laughs> you never actually see the heads. It's always from the Hobbit's perspective. <laughs> but that stuff is super, like it looks bizarre when you see it behind the scenes but in the movie like you'd never notice it looks totally real (laughs) like all that stuff just is sold very well i'd say there's only one part in this movie that really stands out as like a dated effect what uh legolas jumping on top of the cave troll yeah (laughs) that part feels very it's too smooth and weightless like they need to go back and add more texture or something to both of them (laughs) yeah that would be this is one case where i would argue for a george lucas style revision yeah just because everything else in the movie most like even like the balrog like this giant all cgi creature looks very believable like he doesn't really that doesn't really bother me at all but yeah that one shot of legolas climbing on top of it for whatever reason they just i don't know it doesn't work (laughs) he's just so cool though (laughs) it's pretty cool he's like i'm gonna climb on this troll (laughs) did you know that uh this was orlando bloom's first movie yeah I didn't know that. He got recruited. Then pirates, right? Yeah, I think so. He got recruited right out of acting school. This is his first job, which is crazy. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't... I don't hate Orlando Bloom, but he just has that, like, I don't know. Well, yeah. He, arrogance. <laughs> Legolas definitely has probably the least, like, dramatic weight in this, probably yeah. in the whole trilogy. He doesn't he's have a lot to do dimensional. besides. Yeah. He's mostly there to irritate Gimli and to sh- just shoot arrows. Show and, off. Yeah, yeah. Basically show off. Yeah. He's not, I, I'm always interested if he's more complex or interesting in the books. Yeah. Cause I mean, I like, I actually, I, I really like arrows, man. As a kid, I loved Legos cause I was always about like being the archer and stuff, but yeah. like, yeah, as a character, he's probably the least interesting one of the At fellowship. least in this movie. I don't know if he ever changes. He might get... Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe by the end. <laughs> yeah. But, um... All right. So, should we dive into some trivia stuff? I got lots of interesting sure. stuff to talk about. And break in with anything you want to add. Uh, so, Christopher Lee, who plays Saruman, uh, apparently... He before this movie, he read Lord of the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy once a year until he died in 2015 because he loved this? it. No, before oh. this, like for like 40 or 50 years, he did this. This man is very complicated. I, I'm pretty sure he's one of the most interesting people that ever lived. I think um, he was also the only member of the entire cast and crew who met J.R.R. Tolkien. Like what? no surprise, he's just lead. like yo, what's up? I'm he's he's like the he was like the real world most interesting man alive. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he had in, in behind the scenes thing, they show him like doing his ADR and he's like, he's like, he's like, Oh man, I just love this stuff. He starts speaking in Elvish, like nothing in front of him. He can, he's a dork. And he, <laughs> he's quoting stuff. He's like, this is the most famous line of the entire book. And, but you know, it's, it's <laughs> wild. So he was, he was like an expert. So he said he, Peter Jackson said he didn't have to give him any notes or background for Saruman. Yeah, like, like he I knew the this. character backwards and forwards. He <laughs> knew him better than Peter Jackson. About this. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of awesome. Um, so this is just kind of funny. Gandalf's painful encounter with a ceiling beam in uh, Bilbo's Hobbit hole was not in the script. Ian McKellen banged his forehead against the beam accidentally, and Peter Jackson thought it was great. <laughs> and Ian McKellen just acted through it, so they kept it in. <laughs> what a trooper. Yeah. But he should change his hat into a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of wizard did not would not do that? <laughs> uh, according to Sean Astin in the commentary, when Bilbo drops the ring before leaving Hobbiton, the floor was magnetic to keep the ring from bouncing. That's 
so they did that to show how the like heavy the ring is. That's crazy. You know that shot when it falls yeah. down. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I thought that was really I clever. I have thought of like, oh, let's magnetize it. Yeah, I always thought that was just a matter of like the the actual ring prop was heavy and they yeah. used great sound design to make it sound heavy, but <laughs> magnetic floor. So it didn't bounce. It's pretty cool. Um, although in the movie, it seems to only be a few weeks. In the book, the time between when Gandalf leaves to research the ring, tries to find Gollum, and when he returns to send Frodo on his adventure is 17 years but not in the movie. Not in the movie. <laughs> yeah. In the animated movie that we watched it is, but not in this one. Yeah, that's the only thing that's always kind of bothered me. There's no real way to, like, track the time and, like, how long have they been away? They always mention, like, in passing little things, like, this bread can last, like, yeah. six months or whatever. Yeah, I'd be curious to know, like, I'm sure somebody's made, like, a timeline break yeah. kind of, like, <laughs> when they leave Hobbit... I'm Hobbiton assuming it's long. years, obviously. Yeah, I would guess this first movie like spans like... if we had to like, walk to New York, how long would it take us? Yeah, and New York is full of monsters. <laughs> yeah, like The away. Appalachian Trail is full of monsters. <laughs> yeah, I think I would guess this first movie is at least a year. Yeah, okay. But who knows? <laughs> um, uh, this is funny. There were examples of this in the trivia and in all the behind-the-scenes stuff that Viggo Mortensen was very method about playing Aragorn, which is funny because he had never (laughs) even read the books or really knew anything about it before. He asked for more of his lines to be in Elvish. He used a real steel sword, not a fake one. So it was super heavy. heavy. Yeah. Um, He was the best. He was apparently the best swordsman that the trainer said he'd ever worked with. Uh, Viggo Mortensen kept his sword with him at all times, even when he was off set. So he got like approached by police <laughs> Sir, officers. you cannot go into the grocery yeah, store he had with it, a sword. He had it like in Applebee's. He's eating like a triple play. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then like talking to them in Elvish. Yeah. <laughs> One does not simply walk into Kroger <laughs> with a sword. Uh, and then apparently, in, I don't know what scene, but at some point he chipped a tooth and he asked peter jackson to super glue it back on so they could continue oh shooting but i kind of remember that but do you pe- know what scene i don't peter jackson refused and made him go to a dentist <laughs> <laughs> so like, no so in tarantino he'd be like sure i'll pull yeah, out another one it. if you want <laughs> uh it is estimated that the filming of the trilogy pumped about 200 million dollars into the new zealand economy and it keeps pumping more because we're gonna go there and see yeah, how that's why we're going <laughs> The New Zealand government even created a minister for Lord of the Rings, That's an awesome. official title, whose whose job Is it Peter was Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah, really. Whose job was to exploit all the economic opportunities the movie represented. I know they like changed their airplanes. Oh yeah, I think had, all their like, like safety videos stuff. are like yeah. Hobbit. <laughs> you know, they're like Hobbit themed or something. Uh, okay, so this is the one the piece of trivia that I kept laughing about, and I was dying to tell you about. Okay. Uh, John Borman, Stanley Kubrick, and the Beatles all attempted to create a movie version of The Lord of the Rings before Peter Jackson <laughs> did. Uh, the Beatles wanted to star in an adaptation of The Lord of the Rings, and uh, they asked Stanley <laughs> Kubrick to direct. Kubrick declined, saying the book was unfilmable. Now, here's the best part. The cast would have been Paul McCartney as Frodo. I was about to say. <laughs> George Harrison as Gandalf. <laughs> Ringo Starr as Samwise. And John Lennon as Gollum. <laughs> okay, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? Yeah, I think they got that right. <laughs> oh my God. So weird. Would it have been a musical? I have no idea. I'm assuming it would have been like Yellow Submarine or something. Yeah. Just how weird. It's so weird. Super weird. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Uh, this is one of five movies to have sat at number one for any amount of time on I'm on the IMDb top two fifty. Yeah, can, I can think you... Return of the King is always up there. It's in the well, not number one. It's in like the top ten for sure. Yeah. Can you name the other five movies that have been number one on IMDb or the other four? Father. Uh, um, yeah, that's one. Shawshank Redemption. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, Godfather Two. No. <laughs> uh. One Casablanca? of the other two should be obvious, and the other one's kind of surprising. What? Uh, Star Wars. Oh, the first Star Wars. <laughs> and Dark Knight. Those were all at oh, number one for. They always seem too new. I remember <laughs> when that was number one for a while. I was like, oh, <laughs> now it's probably Parasite. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are all the five movies that have been number one on IMDb. Um, and here's my pick for the dumbest piece of trivia Yay, on IMDb for this a movie. little bell. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> all right. Try and follow along here. This is bizarre. <clears throat> Sean Bean previously appeared in the James Bond film Goldeneye. Boromir was previously played by Michael Graham Cox, who appeared in the film A Bridge Too Far with the original James Bond, Sean Connery. A Bridge Too Far was also directed by Richard Attenborough, who directed <laughs> Bernard Hill's first Best Picture winner, Gandhi. That makes total sense. <laughs> so I'm so glad I learned The only that. actual connection there is that Sean Bean was in a James Bond movie and Boromir was played by a guy who was in a movie with another guy who played James Bond, which is already an extreme stretch for a piece of trivia. But then there's that other set, the last sentence about Richard Attenborough directed Gandhi. That has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> He's it's not so in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's one of the lowest rated pieces of trivia on IMDb I think there's people like in their basements with like notebooks and notebooks and they're like connecting Pepe Silvia type Pepe lines Sylvia, between Sylvia. movies. Yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> um, I like that. We're weird. <laughs> so on this one, I watched more of the like behind the scenes stuff. Um, so I have a few little notes that I took on the, from the behind the scenes documentary that's on the gazillion disc thing. Uh, they kept. It was interesting. They kept calling this the biggest low budget movie of all time. Well, I was going to ask you, like, what was the budget? And so, I don't rem- like. I know they filmed all of them. They together, did. They did film all three together. Yeah. But is there like a timeline for just Fellowship production? I don't know how long it took them to film. It was a long time. It was like eighteen months, I think. For well, it, it's hard to I say because it was like eight years. Well, for all three of them, it was definitely like four or five years. I think. But I think the fellowship stuff, they've wrapped filming in like 18 months. Mm. Um, Plus, yeah, they would age too fast. Yeah, that's true. The <laughs> budget Morrison would get arrested all the time. <laughs> the budget for this, for fellowship, was $93 million. And it made over half that back on the opening weekend. Yeah. And it made, it, the, the cumulative worldwide gross is $887 million, which is a eh, lot back then. That's not bad. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. not Avengers billion now, but, you know. Avengers um, inflates their prices with 3d showings yeah it was kind of interesting there was a lot of stuff in the trivia about how it got started that like miramax originally funded peter jackson to do the pre-production yeah and then interestingly enough peter jackson hated harvey weinstein oh good for yeah. him i like peter jackson more and more yeah i know right <laughs> he hated working with me he said he was an asshole and uh and miramax wanted him to do it all as one movie i think Ugh. and he refused and then he took it to another company and we was going to split it into two movies. He took it to um, a new line yeah. and they, he pitched it as two movies and they were like, you just do it as three. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that happened. That's when you're like, you know, somebody has like read the book and you both like nod at each other. And yeah. like, we could do more movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> but it's funny. Cause like they keep calling it the biggest low budget movie because 
it, obviously this budget is huge, yeah. but then the amount of stuff they had to do with that budget is really did stretch stuff super thin. That like that's, it's like a running theme in the behind the scenes thing that they're constantly like, we can't afford to pay you this weekend. Like you have to take the weekend off, and we'll have somebody else cover for you and blah blah yeah. blah. Because they they just they had to make so many miniatures and so many costumes. I mean, they showed in there these guys that spent eighteen straight months making plastic. Uh, chainmail armor for people <laughs> like they rubbed their fingertips off doing it yeah. <laughs> um so some other stuff from the behind the scenes doc that i thought was interesting there were 64 frodo outfits made for different things <laughs> um, is it like frodo falls down a hill frodo yeah <laughs> walks up a hill <laughs> here's here's a great uh quote from peter jackson Gollum is going to be better than Jar Jar Binks. That's the <laughs> That's, level we're aiming yeah. for. That's what he said. So, In what way? So like, when they, I guess they were filming what, right as uh, Phantom Menace came out because that came yeah. out in 99, right? I think so. Uh, or maybe it's 97. I can't, it's either 97 or 99. I always forget. But um, anyways, yeah, Jar Jar Binks was like the greatest technical CGI achievement up to this point. So yeah, Lord of the Rings kind of blew that out of the water. 99, yeah. So they were filming it when that came out. Um, let's see. Uh, so in Bag End, like the trees in Hobbiton, the all uh, they all they're all fake trees, and or they might have been real trees, but they didn't have any leaves. Yeah. They had to put two hundred fifty thousand fake leaves on a tree, glued them on by hand. That just seems <laughs> unnecessary. <Yeah. laughs> uh, here's a piece of trivia that you'll really like. Uh, in one of the takes. I, I hope it's someone that's in the movie because that'd be hilarious. When they jump off, when the hobbits jump off the path to avoid the ring rates and hide under there. Or actually, no, it's not when they jump off that. It's when they're running from the farm and they bump into each other and fall off that little cliff and roll yeah. down the hill. In one of the takes they show in the behind the scenes, when when they stop rolling, they're all laughing because apparently when they landed, Elijah Wood pooted in <laughs> Pippin's face. <laughs> and they're all dying laughing about it. Um. Uh, there's some funny stuff in there, like when Gandalf is fighting Saruman, they show like the stunt guy that's like dressed like an old man, and he's just jumping up against the wall like a million times, <laughs> and he's getting thrown against the wall. Um, also, one of my favorite things is like like those pictures where you see Qui Gon Jinn with a colorful umbrella and sunscreen on his nose and stuff. Yeah, there's some pictures of the guy, the ring wraiths with like these big colorful umbrellas while they're waiting the rain out. It's a requirement. It's just funny. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> Um, let's see. Oh, there was a cool shot where they show it's one of the times when Gandalf is like riding to, to either to Saruman or I can't remember where he's going, but when he's riding his horse by himself, they use miniatures in front of the camera. Like, like how you, like how Charlie Chapman would use like matte paintings attached to the camera yeah, so that it would look like a piece of, it would cover up a piece of the landscape, yeah. like a bridge that, that Gandalf rides under is just a miniature that's like between him and the camera, which is really yeah. cool. Um, and oh yeah and the horse that follows them that they bring to they they leave it at the mines i think billy yeah billy the the pony Little billy. bill i think it's bill <laughs> uh is actually two people in a horse costume <laughs> that horse yep. why wouldn't they just use a real one because it was too hard for the horse to get around in the snow and the rocks and stuff oh. so it's it's two people was it a perspective thing too no well no i don't think so Who's the butt and who's the head? Yeah, it was two actresses. They were like, because <laughs> they kept talking about that in the behind the scenes thing too, that there's like, they've used like every actor in the entire, like in all of New Zealand, basically. They were like, 
Wellington well, yeah, is a city. Just, like everyone's an extra. <laughs> yeah, they're filming near Wellington. They're like, Wellington is a city of three hundred thousand people, and we need ninety thousand yeah. extras or whatever. <laughs> so they use like half the population of the city to mm. make. Um, they're like, and also they were having a really hard time casting the elves because they're like, we need, we have a very small pool of people in Wellington to bring from, and they also have to be extremely handsome and tall <laughs> uh, to be elves. So we're having trouble with that. Uh, some notes I took during the movie that I wanted to ask you about. Here's a question. So Arwen, Liv Tyler's character. Yeah. Uh, so she's always, her whole thing is that she's giving up her elven immortality to be with Aragorn, right? Yeah. What does the necklace have to do with that? Um, I always feel like the necklace has some sort of special power. That's what I wonder. Like, is the necklace what gives her immortality or is it just like a symbolic thing? Because what I wrote is, does her necklace give her eternal life or does she lose her eternal life when she bangs Aragorn? <laughs> I think it's a symbolic thing. Like she's giving, like that's her soul. It's very pretty, a pretty soul. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always assumed it was kind of like a magical ring type of thing, but like elven necklace. I'm sure people who have read the book are probably like, you idiots, it's this. <laughs> yeah. It's probably very easy explanation somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'm curious. I'm, I'm going to read the book soon and again. I've read the first one, but I don't remember much about it now. Um, I wrote in my notes that ev after this movie, every single kid that saw it and had a stick did you shall not pass? <laughs> well, yeah. So what about your, that's my best line moment. Are we going to talk about that? Uh, okay. Yeah. What's our best, what are our favorite lines slash memes from the movie? Best line is you shall not pass for sure. <laughs> because even working in the movie theater with broomsticks, oh, yeah. that's that all we ever did. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, whenever you have a stick, it's required. <laughs> yeah. Remember that, uh, uh, Keen Pill skit? Or it was like the magical school and the yeah. janitor did that <laughs> with his mop or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> What's yours? I had a hard time because there's so many good, funny memes in this. Uh, but I, I ended up going with, one does not simply walk. Yeah, that was Mardin. my backup. That's a really good one. <laughs> but some other backups, some other good ones. And my axe, of course. And my axe. <laughs> what uh, would yours, your weapon, or what would you have to give? <laughs> uh, and my microphone. <laughs> Uh, and my cat <laughs> I also liked I have no memory of this place yeah. <laughs> I remember saying that at, quoting that at Dragon Con lots when we get lost <laughs> or something what's your favorite scene in the movie so scene I had two for different reasons I think the coolest scene is Gandalf's spoiler kind of death scene mm -hmm. <laughs> when he's fighting the Balrog, Balrog of um, and he's it's very dramatic the music is awesome and then also right after when they're all mourning him and it's heartbreaking he's like oh my yeah. god Gandalf. <laughs> and they're like give him a minute <laughs> he's like no we, we must move on and Aragorn's all like we don't have a yeah. minute his weird voice yeah because <laughs> what's his name Saruman is like speaking on the the wind <laughs> yeah uh, I love I think that's only in the extended because I don't remember that before I I kind of remember it. So we're we're talking about they mention it. Yeah, they're in when they're in the snowy mountains. It's when they get forced into the mines 
because they're in the mountains and suddenly they hear Christopher Lee like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like from really far away. Making rocks fall down. Yeah, it's Christopher Lee's death metal band. Um, but my backup scene, I think Boromir's redemption slash death scene is yeah, pretty, pretty good too. Um, because he totally fucks up with Frodo, mm-hmm. uh, trying to steal the ring from him. Then he realizes instantly after the ring is like far enough away that he made a mistake. And then he puts all his energy into saving Mary and Pippin. I like, I don't know if that's in the book because I, when we watched the animated version, they didn't, they actually like Boromir didn't like the hobbits at all, yeah. but I like, I really liked that in, in the movie. movie. He definitely, he does. definitely has like a connection with Mary and Pippin, which is nice. I, I don't know if he sees them kind of like children, I guess. And he has to protect yeah, them. Yeah, He but... definitely has like a, like big brother, yeah. father kind of relationship with the two of them, which is great. So yeah. So both those death like scenes. Yeah. That's, it a, gets me. <laughs> those are really good ones. Um, and I like the Boromir stuff a lot cause it really accentuates like even well, like yeah. a really good person can be swayed by the rings. Power. Yeah. And you never really know if he's good, but then I think in the end, like he takes like three arrows to the chest and he's like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he dies trying to save them. Yeah. Um, and he keeps getting back up. Yeah. It's like, he's not going to give up Harper <laughs> or Sean Bean. Yeah. Sean Bean gets killed Rest in everything. In <laughs> that's a meme right there what's yours um i had a hard time just picking like a single part i i kind of just put the minds of moria section of the movie is really just that's yeah, my favorite part that's when stuff overall. gets intense because before that it's just like we're gonna go here and meet these people and do this yeah and it was, aside from like the wizard fight there's no real like battles up until that point yeah. and then that point you kind of realize how like dark this adventure is gonna be yeah um, and it's just, I love the way all the mine stuff looks. It's really cool. The sets are really cool. The sound design is really great when like, like you hear the orcs coming from really far away and stuff. Yeah. Um, the fight, even though that one part with the cave troll is kind of fake looking, the rest of that whole fight is really cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a funny part. I sent you pictures from the behind the scenes thing where the, um, uh, is it Randall William Cook? I think is the special effects advisor or whatever and he's he's like peter jackson has some dumb ideas and <laughs> yeah. he's talking about how he's like we want legolas to run on the chain to the cave troll <laughs> until um, they get skateboarding <laughs> yeah um but yeah i love all the minds of mario stuff is just really cool to me although i wish it always bothers me in lord of the rings movies that like you don't really get an explanation for like are there dwarves left in this world like are they an endangered race like you only in this movie you only ever see gimli and like the one or two dwarves that come with him to the council. Yeah. Um, so the dwarves, I guess maybe they try to make up for it in the Hobbit movies. Cause that's all about the dwarf culture. Um, yeah, that's true. But yeah, maybe but that even was then it's like you see that group of dwarves, but you never see like a society of dwarves. Like you see like the Hobbit Hobbiton or Rivendell. Yeah, I'm trying to, it's hard. Cause I keep thinking about like the other, hobbit movies yeah i'm trying to forget well yeah it's just odd because gimli's like well it is it's funny to me that he's like oh i'm sure my cousin who i haven't heard from in a hundred years will welcome us how long do they went into this mine and i never heard of him heard from him again it's weird but i'm sure he'll welcome us with open arms and then they go and all the doors are dead (laughs) so yeah i think that's probably the only thing that doesn't hold up (laughs) that would not doesn't hold up but I, i wish that that part was a little there was a little bit more like yeah uh, yeah, a little bit more development with like the dwarves because it's so, yeah. all you really get is Gimli. What do you think it does better? I put that for, and, and this is again, we haven't rewatched Two Towers or Return of the King yet. Um, 
but that I feel like fellowship has the clearest goals for all yeah. of its characters. Like it's the fellowship is nine people and they're all trying to do the same thing. They're all trying to get to Mordor and destroy the ring. Whereas like, even at the end of this movie, it's kind of unclear where everybody's, what everybody is doing. Like Frodo and Sam are obviously going to get, uh, to destroy the ring still, but like Mary and Pippin get captured. And then, uh, and it's like Aragorn and, uh, Legolas and Gimli are just going orc hunting. Like yeah. <laughs> it's not really, there's not like super clear goals or motivations from the, after this point, like it gets a little more muddled cause everybody's split up Yeah, and Gandalf spoiler returns from the dead. <laughs> hey, <laughs> um, so yeah, Gandalf! I feel like <laughs> this movie is really fun because it's everybody working towards the one same thing. So it's really yeah, I also said really it's most in hopeful it. and cheery. <laughs> yeah. And it ends on a more depressing note. <laughs> yeah, it does. But yeah, that's a, that's a good point. But too. like two and three, no, no hope, <laughs> no bright sunshine. <laughs> um, we talked a long time ago on one of our early episodes about the music in this movie. We got brought up on our it's score amazing. episode. Yeah, the score is great. <laughs> What's your favorite musical moment in the movie? So I have two... Um, one, we kind of already talked about the bridge of Kazadum when yeah. Gandalf dies and right after when everybody's crying and blubbering. Um, yep. So Gandalf! I think, yeah, <laughs> that music's really, really good. So my backup was when Arwen takes Frodo to Rivendell and the ring race are chasing her and the horse. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like uh, running super fast and then the river and stuff. That music's good. I like that moment. What's too. the? I don't remember what song is playing. During it's that. kind of like uh, the orc ish theme. Oh, yeah. That. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it also has like more of the main like elf themes, I think. Okay. Splint, split, uh, sprinkled throughout. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a, one of the cool. We were talking about this before we started recording that like Howard Shore created like a bunch of like motifs or themes. Like yeah. there's like the orc theme and there's Sauron's theme and there's the Hobbit's theme and there's like the main, yeah. the rings theme. And uh, so, um, so he kind of weaves those in and out of each other depending on what's going on. Like yeah. it's kind of the same as like what um, John Williams did for like Star Wars where he like did like a courageous theme and Leia's theme. And, you know, so yeah. they all kind of, he just uses those kind of motifs for what the moment needs. And I think for the Arwen scene, it's also one of the more tense moments. It's like you really feel the chase and like the well, yeah, they're like reaching in. out for him, and he's like, so, on yeah. The, I think the music really builds that up. Plus the sound effects, but yeah, ring race screeching in the background. <laughs> I saw in the behind the scenes, they show uh, 
Liv Tyler's not riding a real horse. She's in the back of a truck on a on, the, on a fake horse. Were there two actresses running? <laughs> she was on top of them. No, she, no. <laughs> just kidding. The fake horse in the back of a truck. She and Frodo are on top of that, and then behind them are real horses with yeah. the ring rates riding, which I'm sure was very hard to ride yeah. around those crazy. Cars. Well, yeah, the the horse scene, like somebody actually did all that, the yeah. tight turns and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. What about your favorite? My favorite musical moment is um, the when they do. They do that crazy fly through when the camera's going through all the orc like factory caves, yeah. the mines when they're creating new orcs. Because <laughs> you are an orc. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I love that theme. It's like a five four theme. You know what I noticed? Actually, I forgot about that. I was going to mention this. I think all of the themes for evil characters are in odd time signatures, which I think I noticed. Like the orcs one is definitely in five four. Yeah, which is cool. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that whole shot is super no flutes cool too. in the orc themes. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's that shot where they're flying through those caves, which are all miniatures. Like yeah. all that stuff's real, except for the things that are moving or CGI'd in later, but it's all miniatures that are the cameras flying through. Um, but yeah, I love, that's one, that's one of my favorite musical themes in the series and that shot's super cool. So I like that musical moment. I wrote down this movie has a body count of 118, which is Thousand. high. <laughs> which is high, but yeah, it's going to be. Not, I, I haven't. You looked. don't count the battle scene in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Probably not. They probably only count ones you see get yeah. killed. But yeah, I'll bet for two towers, it's literally ten times yeah. that. It's got to be. And Return of the King's probably even more. Yeah. So Home we'll Steep see. alone is going to be like a hundred thousand. Can't wait to get to that. So overall, what are your, what are your overall uh, thoughts on fellowship? Hold up. What? We got to talk about Did the best something? monster. I didn't have that on my list. Oh, I had mine. Well, there's only one monster. There's a few way. monsters. Go ahead. But Balrog. Yeah, duh. Of Morgoth. <laughs> but the ring rates are cool, too. That's true. I love the sound design of the ring rates. I think the Balrog looks the best, but I think the ring rates for, like, practical monster costume. Yeah. Their screeching is the Ring awesome. rates are really cool. Yeah. They're, I they're think creepy. they're cooler in this movie on horseback than the they dementors. are when they're on the drag. <laughs> yeah, they're basically Dementors. <laughs> yeah, and that scream, yeah, what we, we learned in the behind the scenes, the scream is Fran Walsh, who's one of the screenwriters and producers, I think. As her um, real scream For a minute is, there, I was thinking Fran... Uh, What's her name from the Dresser? nanny? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a very different version of this She movie. could probably do it. But I said, Fran, She's a unique voice. <laughs> Fran Walsh's scream was the screech, and then the breathing is Peter Jackson. <laughs> I don't like heavy breathing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. PJ does, as I like to call yeah. it. PJ. My boy PJ. <laughs> my, boy P, my man PJ. Um, yeah. I mean, the only other monster, the cave troll. Cave troll's all right. He's pretty cool. It's fine. But the Balrog is cool because I think in the books and certainly in the animated one and in most of the like illustrations before any movies were made, the Balrog <laughs> is not that big. He's like seven to 12 feet tall. Well, I guess the Eye of Sauron is a monster in itself. Yeah, he's pretty cool. <laughs> That's a cool design. <laughs> I'm going to think of the other monsters as the lake creature, which we kind of seen. I like the Watcher. Yeah. He's pretty cool. It's all right. Um... <laughs> Yeah, there's like the birds that fly around, the Bormy. bird spies. Oh, the giant, the Lord of Eagles that saves uh, That's Gandalf. That's a monster, though. No, but it's a creature. 
Uh, right. huh, okay. Yeah. yeah There's a, a bunch, of, but creatures. the Balrog is obviously the best. Yeah. And what about when that Urukai is born from like the mud? Is that how I was born? <laughs> <laughs> Those are gross. It reminds me of that scene from Milo and Otis. <laughs> the birthing <laughs> oh scene. <my> God. <laughs> it's haunted me for so 30 weird. years. So weird. <laughs> Um, oh, the only other thing I wanted to mention, because I thought it was interesting, is that there was a lot of, like, they had a really hard time figuring out how the movie should start. Um, yeah, I could see that. Because <laughs> I, I don't remember how the book starts, but, um, yeah, they changed it several times. And even when they had this story at the beginning, so a, one of the versions, was it started with Bilbo writing his book, which is in the extended versions. It wasn't in the other mm. one, where he's like, concerning hobbits, and, you know, he talks about. <laughs> Hobbits, but um, yeah, and then they added the thing in the beginning with the like history of Middle Earth, and originally that was narrated by, oh man, I don't remember. I wrote it, I saw it, but yeah, it was narrated by like maybe Gandalf first, mm. but then they were like, oh, it would make more sense if it was narrated by somebody who was actually there, who's old enough to have actually been there, so yeah. they used Kate Blanchett as Galadriel. Oh, that was the other note. I wanted to ask a question I had. Fire away. Huh? Okay, so. <laughs> uh, Kate Blanchett's character Gladriel. Yeah. She shows Fro- she shows everybody stuff in the mirror, right? Yeah. That like shows things that may not yet have come to pass. <laughs> um, Frodo sees like, uh, like the Hobbit Hobbiton is like enslaved. Yeah. Like there, it's like burned down, and the people are enslaved. But to me, it's that part is always weird to me because it seems like what he's supposed to see is something that convinces him that he has to go on alone. Cause like at that point he's already sort of trying to decide whether he should leave the group. Right. I think so. Cause he says, he, I think that's when he says like, I know what I have to do, but I'm afraid to do it or something yeah. like that. And, but I don't know how seeing the hobbits enslaved is supposed to convince him. To, that seems like that should convince him that he shouldn't try and go to Mordor at all, That he's like bringing Sauron the ring, you know? Yeah, don't they show Sam in the mirror? Yeah, Sam gets, like, killed in the mirror or something. That might be why he wants to go alone, because he doesn't want Sam to die. Yeah, maybe that's true. He it's, doesn't want to be responsible for everybody's deaths. Yeah, I, just, I always feel like it should have, like, it would would have made more sense if in the mirror he saw, like, Boromir stealing the ring or somebody, like, killing him in his sleep to take the ring or something like that. Because yeah. the whole thing is he, like, can't trust anybody anymore. He has to go on by yeah. himself. Um, yeah, but I, just, I always thought that part was kind of odd. And then Kate Blanchett gets scary. Yeah, and she's all like, <laughs> I, I all just, will love me in despair. <laughs> that part's awesome. I wonder if Gandalf, if that was what's supposed to happen to Gandalf, he's like, you can't offer me this. <laughs> like, and he, that was his version of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love all the stuff they do to make you believe that the ring is, like, it's an inanimate object, and they do such a good job visually and through dialogue oh. and character of making the ring seem very evil and um seductive i just remembered the scariest monster of all oh my god yeah we didn't mention it <laughs> when bilbo reunites with frodo later on he like, hold the ring just yeah, one more just time just one more time <laughs> and then he Carrot, goes crazy <laughs> and is, that's the scariest moment ever it makes me jump every time it is the scariest part of the whole franchise <laughs> by far i remember seeing yeah. that part in theaters and everybody jumped yeah out of so they like superimposed or they they layer his face with something. Yeah, I don't know exactly. I, I read in the evil trivia, Bilbo mask. He did have a he did have an evil okay. Bilbo mask, which um, Ian Holm loved and thought was hilarious. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, they gave him like a bronze cast of it. I want one. <laughs> um, but yeah, he I think he wore a mask for the filming, 
and then obviously it's like CGI because he like transforms into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool and very <laughs> scary. That wins. Best monster. <laughs> yeah, I like when you search for like Lord of the Rings scary, the two options are scary Bilbo and scary Kate Blanchett. Yeah. <laughs> Kate Blanchett's one is not nearly as scary as Bilbo's. Bilbo's is yeah, actually I never, scary. I still don't really like how she looks. It looks like they just inverted her. <laughs> I mean, they did. I think it's kind of cool. It's got a weird like it's all right. magical. Yeah. I like that a lot of Lord of the Rings, it feels a little timeless because they don't use all like newer style effects. Like there's a lot of like choppy slow-mo yeah, and there's, uh, you know, stuff like that. That, uh... <laughs> that seems like it should be out of place and, um, outdated, but it works really well. Yeah. I like the way she looks in that scene. I like that whole scene. They shot her in slow-mo and then had a re-record yeah. dialogue to match that speed, <laughs> which is, gives her that weird, like weightless look. She already looks like that. They didn't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After watching this, we had a whole argument we had to settle with IMDb because we couldn't remember whether Kate Blanchett also played the ice queen in Narnia, but <laughs> turns out that was Tilda Swinton. Yeah. <laughs> They're all Tilda Swinton. Basically. Kate Blanchett is ba is actually just Tilda Swinton yeah. in, mask in real life. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's all I've got for fellowship in particular. Yep. So cool. Yeah. So <laughs> now we'll watch two towers. We'll be right back. Bye. The fate of the world will soon be decided. The dominion of evil grows even stronger. There is a union now between the two towers, Barad-dûr, fortress of the Dark Lord Sauron, and Orthanc, stronghold of the wizard Saruman. The peril of the Ringbearer deepens. An unseen danger draws closer, for there is another who hunts the ring. it so fast we watched the extended <laughs> version at 400 times speed yeah just absorbed it without blinking yeah um so next up we're gonna be talking about the lord of the rings the two towers which is the second film in the franchise uh so this film came out in 2002 so a year later wow yeah and absolutely nothing has changed as far as director or caster. <laughs> it's yep. all the same all people. The same. <laughs> Although this movie, you get um, two extra characters. There are a couple of new cast members, yeah. Yeah, you get uh, Andy Serkis as Gollum. Mm -hmm. We get mm -hmm. full-on mm -hmm. Gollumness, <laughs> And then Miranda Oates, Otto. Miranda Otto mm -hmm. as Eowyn. Eowyn? Eowyn. Eowyn. <laughs> yeah. There's some others, too. 
Like who? Like Carl Urban as Aomer, I think Aomer? is his name. Oh, yeah. And we decide, we figured out they're... Cousins. They're cousins? Well, okay. no, it's... Or their brother and sister? Their brother and sister, their uncle is the Theoden. Theoden, played yeah, by Bernard kinda, Hill. It's kind of confused in the movie. Yeah, so he's new to Bernard Hill. Yeah. And... Brad Dorf. Yeah. As... Well, they call him like Snake something, but well, his, his name is Gr- Grima. It's Grima. Grima Wormtongue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which his you know when you're tongue. I'm glad I wasn't named Grima Wormtongue Harris. I mean, cause, yeah. You know, your life is kind of <laughs> already determined at that point. Yeah. Uh, so those are pretty much the main people. We can main talk about folks. other folks. Well, you get Treebeard, but also it's um played, by John played Davies. yeah John Reese Davies. Uh, so if you haven't seen the second one, I don't know why you're listening to this episode. That would be pretty weird. Mima. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this story continues with Frodo and Sam. They're trekking to Mordor. They're getting closer. Um, and the crew has kind of, kind of split up. So Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn, Aragorn are searching for Merry and Pippin, who are taken by orcs. Um, and this movie focuses all about Saruman's army. Yeah. And his big old tower and tree Which people. <laughs> one of the titular towers. Yeah. Anything else to add to that? <laughs> um, no, I guess not. I mean, I, there's other stuff that plays into that. Yeah. After, after Mary and Pippin are found, then it turns the other group yeah. of Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli turn to, and, and so a return of a familiar face. <laughs> um, turn to find to get help from the riders of Rohan yeah. to help defeat Saruman's coming army. So this whole film is way more complicated than the first one. I feel like agreed because they throw in a lot of different like storylines all at once, and a lot of I assume it's hard because now I haven't watched the non-extended versions in so yeah. long. It's hard to remember how much of that is added in the extended. Like I know you mentioned we were talking about it earlier that the whole mentioned that Aragorn is a do- is like 80 years old and is a Dunedain. Yeah, Dunedain. Dunedain <laughs> is that which sounds like something from Outlander. Yeah, it does. Just <laughs> uh, a Dunedain baby baron. <laughs> baby baron. <laughs> um yeah, like that's only mentioned in the extended version and um yeah, I I assume there's a lot of stuff that's probably on there. Like there's a lot more focus on like these weird uh human army uh, human people in Saruman's army yeah. that he's recruiting, and like that, the wild men or something. Yeah, the wild. The, I think they're called. They might be called the Easterlings. I maybe don't know. I can't remember. Um, Folk people. Yeah, people. <laughs> they're basically the 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 Game of Thrones. Uh, are they called wildlings too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they were driven out by Ro- the people in Rohan or something, and yeah, and then obviously there's the whole thing. Rohan is kind of entirely new to to the yeah to the story. So you get point. a more expansive map. Which, yeah. did we reference the map at any oh point? Love the map. <laughs> I think I did look up, like, how close, um, uh, what's the city with the... Edoras? Maybe, how close that was to Mordor. Oh, no, you're talking about Gon- the Gondor city? Yeah. That's Asgiliath, I think? I think, yeah. I was looking at, like, okay, if Frodo and Sam are there, how much further do That's they That's, like, have? right on the border of the... <laughs> yeah. It is funny to me. I li- I love the map. But it is always funny to me looking at it that like it's a little too like perfect. Yeah. Like Gond I mean not Gondor, but um Mordor is like a perfect square of mountains surrounding it. It's like, boy, that was lucky yeah. for Sauron. <laughs> but a perfect I'll, castle. I'll bet I'll bet if I go back and read like the Silmarillion or something, there's probably yeah. some reason for it. I'm sure sure there's a reason. Yeah. 
Um, so for this movie, let's see. What do you think? Hmm, I don't know what order to go in. So I guess I just want to hear what your quick thoughts are on the whole movie. How? What do you think this does better than the other ones? Okay, sure. Um, so... Well, I do feel like it's funny this time watching it. I used to always think Two Towers was my favorite. Just like if somebody just asked me which is yeah. my favorite, normally I would say Two Towers. But honestly, I'm not sure that it is anymore. I feel I always felt the opposite. Okay, like it wasn't my favorite. Interesting. <laughs> well, I guess because growing up seeing this movie the first time, I remember the Battle of Helm's Deep was like yeah un- unreal, and like <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that there was something that big in a movie and l- felt that real. Um. So, and I think that, so that probably, the Battle of Helm's Deep probably had the biggest impact on me seeing it the first time when I was younger. Yeah. Um, of anything in the trilogy. It was definitely the thing that impacted me the most. But um, I think it's, I don't know, it's, there's some stuff that's a little weaker. It's a little more scattered for sure yeah. than Fellowship. But what I think it does better, does best of all three of the movies is I think, I feel like um, this one has the the best and strongest like real world themes yeah. Like the ideas, they make it's it very a more clear. Political. Definitely, <laughs> they make it very clear that there's like an environmentalism versus industry thing going on with like the trees versus Saruman, literally, you know, mining yeah. the trees and the ground and water and everything to create monsters. Um, is a pretty maybe it's on the nose, babies. but it's a pretty good <laughs> metaphor. Um, and then I think there's some interesting stuff which I would bet is explored in a lot more detail in the book, but some ideas about war and that the fact that the individual soldiers on the enemy side aren't necessarily evil, yeah. that they're just kind of fodder for the people commanding them. Um, like the, there's an interesting line. Let's see. I wrote it down somewhere um, that Faramir says, Oh, he, he asks, he says he wonders what the individual soldiers of Sauron are, are thinking like what they're act, Are they actually evil? And he says, war will make corpses of us all, yeah. which, yeah, which is interesting. Cause yeah, these, the I book. just assume they don't think. Yeah, the book <laughs> they just was, do what they're told. <laughs> the book was being written during World War II, and you know, a Tolkien had been himself in World War One, so yeah. he'd seen that firsthand. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that stuff is really powerful in this movie. This time around, that's what really impacted me. Was this one felt thematically very interesting? Yeah. So for me, I always thought I always forget sort of what's in this movie except for Helm's Deep. This one and Return of the King yeah. definitely blend together more than the, the I Fellowship. I always think I loved Return of the King the most like the first time around we saw them hmm. um, just because it's so like crazy yeah. in the end and stuff. We'll have to do a ranking at the very yeah. end of this. Um, but for me I felt like this film was it's a little bit slower story wise yes. but you also get much better action versus the first one mm-hmm. and I think this really delves into like the complicated characters and how they're sort of like progressing through the story. So it's not as one dimensional, like Frodo is starting to wrestle with himself. Yeah, that's very true. I I mean, this could carry on into the third one, but we haven't seen that yet. (laughs) So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. The characters are more three dimensional and also the world, I think overall is too. Like there's, there's yeah, Ro- the world is so much bigger than before. It's like the Shire and the right. elf people. <laughs> There's like Rohan um, that's like uh, Rohan and like the elves too. And, and to some degree are like, you know, the people who are reticent to get involved because they don't think it's their problem. Yeah. Even though it affects everyone. Yeah. Um, so that's another, you know, there's a lot more like complex 
uh, thematic ideas going on for sure. Yeah. Um, so speaking of characters, yeah. let's still dive into Gollum. Yep. I have some trivia Gollum. <laughs> for Gollum. Uh, so Andy Serkis was originally only going to do the voice over for three weeks. And then he basically went over Peter Jackson and ended up doing the physical acting and the voice and yeah they based the whole cgi like around him because in the first film uh it's actually a different model. sort of model of Gollum. yeah you, you don't really see, him see in much the dark. you just see his eyes yeah, and he's hands. like peeking over a ledge but yeah after andy circus like blew them away with his performance they decided to model Gollum over his facial features well yeah we watched a bunch of the behind the scenes stuff on that and it's basically like they said, just to do the voice of Gollum, he was like contorting his body yeah. and his face and stuff so much. They were like, this guy is him. Like, there's no way yeah. we could do just the voice and not and take advantage of it. Was he in anything before this? Or did I was he just trying to like look it up. pop up? Not really. I mean, he was in a lot of, seems like he was in a lot of like Shakespearean kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I don't know if it was like theater or if it was movie adaptations. I don't remember. But I know he was like in some stuff with David Tennant, some yeah. Shakespeare stuff and but nothing like this. This and this definitely. It, it is interesting to think that this is where he got his start. And now we yeah. know Andy Circus is like the Godfather, yeah, <laughs> the preeminent, uh, you know, motion capture artist. That he's he's an actor just as good as any that we yeah. have. Did he ever get recognition award wise? Because I know he wasn't qualified for oscars because they said cgi characters didn't count yeah which is i'm really trying to remember if he won for planet of the apes or anything i'm sure i mean he's definitely gotten a lot of recognition not necessarily in like you yeah. know oscars or golden globes that i'm aware of but yeah. um yeah i i agree i i've talked i talked about this on the either screen rex or geek rex podcast a long time ago during maybe the last planet of the apes movie that i think it, it won't be that long before we have a whole category for yeah. awards for the kind of thing he does. <laughs> and for a while, it'll just be him winning because he's incredible at what he Oscars does. Again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but back to Gollum. Also, Andy Serkis based the character on two things. Cats vomiting up hairballs. <laughs> I like your impression of it. <laughs> and also on drug withdrawals, which... Hmm pretty obvious <laughs> like yeah makes sense i need my precious <laughs> are you gonna do that voice say my precious <laughs> that's not very good it's better than mine i would just be like my precious <laughs> <laughs> um and then let's see the other thing that i thought was interesting the animators made Gollum's pupils change depending on which split personality was talking yeah which i don't think i ever like notice really but then i always do remember like when it's smeagol talking mm -hmm. his eyes are always like really big and like nice looking yeah <laughs> and then whenever it's um gollum it's all like beady eyed and evil yeah they do an excellent job of making gollum is such an interesting character yeah uh, he's so pitiful but also scary yeah and yeah that like dichotomy is really really interesting and yeah. he's probably the most interesting performance in the whole movie yeah definitely i think gollum like that split personality scene when he <laughs> he's Schizo like scene. yeah it's oh, the yeah. best my new yeah i always forget about it. my new favorite thing is when uh gollum is accusing smeagol he's like you're a thief yeah. and then i got a uh, smeagol's like no <laughs> murderer no no <laughs> you're a liar no 
I think you have to talk the rest of the I don't the think I could. movie like this. as I'd need the golem juice that yeah. they said in the behind the scenes. He had to drink like hot water, lemon, and honey, and ginger constantly, yeah, like on a tap on tap. Yeah, I can't even imagine like how rough that would be on your vocal cords. Yeah. Um, but also speaking of other like cgi animated characters yeah there's also Treebeard. yeah that's a cool one too yeah which i didn't realize Treebeard is half puppet like well he's mostly puppet and then they made his face cgi later mm-hmm. which is insane the puppet was huge it was like 14 feet tall yeah, right that's pretty neat. <laughs> um and then this was also voiced by john reese davies and they did his voice by speaking through a wooden megaphone yeah so, so they recorded me, sound guy sure well yeah what they did is they recorded his just him performing it normally then i'm assuming they also they either pitched it or more likely they just slowed Slowed it down down, i think and then to give it a even bigger like wooden resonance they played it through a speaker through a series of what are called baffles so it's basically these wooden tubes that they could fit together in different configurations and the tubes had all these little wooden I don't know how to describe like outcroppings to make the sound bounce around inside the wood. So it didn't just go straight through like a tube. It bounced around a bunch before it came out, which gives it a very like uh, hollow wooden big (laughs) resonance. Like it sounds like a tree speaking. (laughs) I like how it's creaky. I like, I don't know if that's in his voice. It's just the extra. Yeah. The sound design on Treebeard is excellent. It's not only, yeah, all the creaking and stuff. And then, the way they processed his voice, but also um, John Reese davies performance is really cool. And well, I he like, has a cool voice already. Yeah, I like how he like speaks while he's breathing in and out. Yeah, like there's a lot of like, <gasps> like you know speaking while he's breathing in too, because it's like he speaks so slow. If he had yeah. to stop to breathe, if he had to stop speaking while he breathed, then it would take even longer. Yeah, it just makes him feel even more like ancient and powerful. Definitely. <laughs> um, so let's continue the sound trivia then. Sure. So we watched. Uh, also, if you ever watched exactly the, the um, behind-the-scenes stuff on the DVD or Blu-rays, you'll notice that Peter Jackson is always barefoot. 100% of the time. <laughs> they even showed his calloused feet. Yeah, was they like, said oh they used God. his dirty calloused yeah. feet to, to get Gollum's feet. So I'm pretty sure he wanted to be a hobbit as a child. Yeah, that's my uh, theory. <laughs> but anyway, so we were watching the behind-the-scenes, and if you didn't know, the battle chants for Helm's Deep were actually recorded at a cricket game, which so I don't awesome. know what cricket is still, but... Uh, <laughs> So 25,000 cricket fans chanted the war chants at Helm's Deep for the yeah, Orc in Army. Mordorian. Yeah, but or, you see Peter Jackson, like, standing on the field he's barefoot. Yeah. He's stomp, making everybody stomp around. So it's yeah. so cool. <laughs> it's really cool. Well, I just want to know, like, well, does New Zealand have nothing else better to do? <laughs> well, they love Peter Jackson. I know. My God, he Peter brought Jackson them too. so much money <laughs> and jobs. Like, he, ba- right. <laughs> he basically employed the whole country for, yeah. to make these movies. Like, who wasn't an extra? That's kind of insane yeah <laughs> so i thought that was super uh cool i love that i thought you were going to mention when they did the dog barks <laughs> what dog barks <laughs> when they made for the warg battle they it, they said that they like peter jackson wasn't happy with what they had for the sound design for the wargs oh. <laughs> and so at the very last minute they had to redesign them in like one day and they didn't they didn't have access to a bunch of dogs so they recorded them themselves they were by the mics going like Bow! <laughs> it's so funny to see these guys doing it you're gonna have to start practicing <laughs> yeah i think i do he's like you know if you don't have access to it sometimes you just gotta make it with your mouth <laughs> yeah and i didn't realize when we were watching the sound thing that how i guess loud new zealand is oh yeah and they had to like do a lot of stuff outside in a cemetery at night <laughs> just so it'd be quiet enough. yeah all the arrow uh foley and stuff that was foley, cool too, arrow yeah. sound effects yeah 
Yeah, it was interesting to see it when they for the Battle of Helm's Deep they showed how many layers are in the um each bow and arrow like when they let out a volley of arrows. Yeah. There's like the crackle of the string, there's the string letting loose, there's like the sound of the wood like uh you know like <laughs> there's the sound of like the feathers on the back of the boat, there's the impacts, there's the armor and there's the orcs falling down. Yeah. There's like 12 <laughs> layers or something in each arrow volley. It's yeah. really amazing. Um, and then also we get the, I want your opinion on the white wizard scene yeah. in Fangorn when, so they intentionally confuse the audience by compositing the eyes, the face of Christopher, both Sir Christopher Lee and Sir Ian McKellen. Mm -hmm. Uh, and also their voices were combined. Yeah. Do you think it works? Sort of. Yeah. I'm always I on wish, the fence about I it. I wish it was better. <laughs> because yeah. it's a little too disjointed. Yeah. Like, it you goes can, from his voice to his voice. And yeah, I like, wish it was more like a blend. Yeah. I think there might have been a better way to do it. But I, yeah, I do. I think it was a very clever idea because they basically, they got Christopher Lee to do an Ian McKellen impression and Ian McKellen yeah. to do a Christopher Lee impression, which is cool. But yeah, it does feel much, it feels a little bit more like they're just cutting back and forth between their two voices rather than like yeah. a blend. And this is the scene in Fangorn Forest where Merry and Pippin are, who finds them? Treebeard. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to take you to the White Wizard. And they're like, oh no, Saruman is in the forest. Well, yeah, they show them dropping before him yeah. and then they cut to later. It's Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli because they're yeah. about to attack him because yeah. they think it's Saruman. Yeah. So I also feel like they don't build that up enough to because you get the reveal pretty quickly. It's like because he like uh, it turns out to be Gandalf. Spoiler, yeah. Yeah. and he's blinding them with his white new like uh, robes and hair and <laughs> flashlights. Yeah, flashlights. <laughs> Flash, uh, flashlight staffs. <laughs> um, um, so I always felt like that should have been like a longer conversation, and then you realize it's Gandalf. Maybe so, but I do remember seeing it the first time that that shocked me. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> like, remember. Oh wait, my, it's Gandalf. <laughs> you said 2002. So yeah, my 14 year old mind was blown Whoa. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it's Gandalf. <laughs> No way, he's back. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Did you have any other thoughts on the sound? or and What's your favorite oh, sound? Oh, man. <laughs> I should really have asked one. you that way before. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a hard one. I think yeah. all the Treebeard stuff is a pretty good example. Yeah, but, um, I mean, layers. I mean, creaking. the Helm's Deep, all the Foley and sound effects that went into Helm's Deep is, like, yeah. unreal. So that's a pretty good one. Also, I liked that Fandor. Is it Fandor? Fangorn. Fang. Fanghorn. I wrote it wrong twice. It's Fanghorn. Fanghorn. Sure. Forest. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I like that. That was uh, a miniature set. Yeah, you had, I had no idea. Like, I always thought they were in a real forest. <laughs> I will say this time watching it, maybe on a bigger HD TV on Blu-ray or whatever, yeah. I felt like you could tell that it was like blue screen behind them a little more. Yeah. When they're just like looking up at the forest. But, um, but yeah, anytime they're actually hanging around in the forest, it isn't amazing. Yeah. But it's like, it blends together all, so I well. I mean, th this one, the miniatures in this movie are arguably more impressive than the ones in Fellowship. There's some really cool miniature yeah. stuff. So for the forest, they actually had one sixth the size real trees. Mm -hmm. So apparently New Zealand has a lot of little trees yeah. or bushes, I guess, that just look very like old and medieval. Yeah. Um, but also they built the set for Rohan, Rohan. <laughs> For yeah, the city of Edoras. Yeah, so yeah, that, that was a real amazing. set built onto the like yeah, a mountain. Not a miniature. They yeah, literally built <laughs> a whole full scale town, like yeah. you know, six or seven buildings on top of a like huge 
out, rocky outcrop. And then the other crazy one is Helm's Deep, where it's kind of a mix of like different sizes. There's like full scale, yeah. and there's like sixth scale, and there's like a hundredth scale or yeah. something like that. And they blend <laughs> them all together. It's really unbelievable. Yeah. Um. So let's see. For what do you think? As far as uh, your best or favorite line slash meme moment for this film is. <laughs> well, I would say this is hard because there's a couple of these. But there's, there's so many good ones. There's one that I quote, I mean, I don't know, daily. Yeah. And that would be potatoes. <laughs> Boil them, mash them, put them in the potatoes, master. Yeah. <laughs> I picked the same. That was my, where I was just waiting for it. <laughs> Boil them, mash them, put them in a stew. Yeah. I think some backup ones would yeah. be um, they're taking Lay the hobbits to Isengard. Oh, Isengard. Yeah. Isengard. Yeah, that's the that's, that would have been that was my second thing. I want to know like why did somebody decide to make that into like a musical video? <laughs> it's so good, uh, but also uh, you have no power yeah. here. That's a good one too. Um, and meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> I've been forgot. saying that all I forgot week. about that. You really have. <laughs> I mean, all two minutes between the last episode yeah. <laughs> or segment. <laughs> that is true. We've been hearing that a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> what menu? <laughs> yeah. Are there menus in Middle Earth? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of what other, there are some more. I mean, all the stuff with Gollum, like my precious, that's probably the most iconic line that's for true. the last decade of movies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so diving into like acting and actors, uh, I have some trivia on a few characters. Mm -hmm. Or well, one thing, no major characters die in this film. That is weird, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> well, the, I guess the only one, and it's I don't even know his name, is the elf like general that comes to help at home. Yeah, he I guess gets, he doesn't that's count like, as major. That could even be an extended part. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. But that that is like the only like big dramatic death that happens. Uh, unless you count Aragorn's fake out death. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And yeah. well I guess a lot there are a lot of fake out deaths. There's that. alive. They also think that the hobbits are dead, that they're yeah. burned. Yeah, so um how they get burned. <laughs> so we've talked about Brad Dorf a little bit, which he's my favorite. Oh, he's um, so awesome. So for Apparently, Brad Dorf can cry on demand, and the single tear that he sheds when he sees Saruman's Sar army for the first time was uh, his idea. That's, an, that's amazing, because <laughs> yeah. it's a great moment. Yeah. And then also, apparently, Brad Dorf stayed in character the entire time, and at the Ugh. end of filming, <laughs> yeah, everyone assumed his American accent was fake. They all thought he was actually British. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about these guys who stay in character all the time. I'll say as a crew member. Like how long was that? Like four years? As a crew <laughs> member, when I'm having to like mic somebody up and they're like in character, it's pretty goddamn annoying. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Dorf's character is annoying. Like imagine it'd be creepy like in the... the I told you to yeah, take his stuff. <laughs> like, like get away from me. Do you think he like fell in love with Miranda Otto? <laughs> like following oh, yeah, her around like, on set? <laughs> he's like, I only asked for one thing. And yeah. then he's like just Ugh. staring. <laughs> Uh, also, Miranda Otto, when she was introduced to Viggo Mortensen on set, uh, she said it's going to be so easy to fall in love with this man. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> like, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, there's that weird sort of love triangle there. Yeah, I don't know if I like that or not. I don't either, because it makes her less... Um, I think it's good. It's going to be good in know. the next film, but in this one, it kind of like... 
it plays her role yeah it plays off as more of like the pining yeah like unrequited love yeah like that's the and they never name. really have that much interaction i mean they kind of do well it's all she passing talks, like she talks to their more than anybody else but only like a few minutes at uncle. a time and like you really love him after that <laughs> yeah but um yeah there's that weird thing but yeah there's also um Oh, what was I going to say? There's, oh, there's all these, there's this behind the scenes footage of her doing all this awesome sword yeah, fighting. Yeah, I want to know where that is. It's not even in the extended. Because in Helm's Deep, there's a scene where she has to take everybody into the caves to escape. And yeah. I'm assuming the orcs catch up to them at some point. And there's this stuff where her like fighting them. And she went through all this like stunt Like months training, of training and stuff. Yeah. Which I guess pays off in the next film. Yeah. But I was very disappointed too. I'm like, well, why couldn't they add that in? Yeah, it's weird <laughs> that that's not in the extended. I've never seen those scenes. I yeah. wonder if they even edited them together any together know. anywhere. But also with Miranda Otto, uh, when Liv Tyler saw her, she ran up to her and said she was so glad there was another woman on set. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, Yikes. there's yeah. not that many. Well, there there are a lot of hidden women because all the writers of Rohan are actually women wearing beards. <laughs> yeah, all the, the stunt writers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then speaking of Dreamboat, Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> Morgenstein. Mm -hmm. The Joe Morgenstein. <laughs> yeah. So there's a scene where they're trying to find the hobbits and they catch up and there's a big pile of burning orc bodies and they find parts of the hobbit's wardrobe in the flames mm -hmm. uh, and he ends up kicking a orc helmet and screams out in pain and agony for the two missing hobbits was actually him breaking his t two toes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Peter Jackson was so moved by it. He's like, wow, I really feel like the pain of the hobbits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they kept it. <laughs> and then uh, Viggo Mortensen was probably like, just tape my toes together. I'll keep probably. going. Well, apparently all of <laughs> all three of them were hurt during the running, like across the hills. Oh, scene. really? I think Orlando Bloom had two broken ribs. And Thanks. Gimli's double oh, had yeah. like knee problems. Well, he had or to something? keep falling off a horse in, yeah. in like full costume. Yeah. And stuff. So all three of them were like hurt well, and hobbling along. Since you mentioned uh, Orlando Bloom's broken ribs, can we talk about something here? Yes. So he was injured during that scene when he's supposed to grab oh, the horse the and weird thing. fly up onto the horse, <laughs> yeah. and that and hence why there's no actual stunt work and why it's all CGI and why that part looks really weird. Yeah. It is so it's weird. It's distracting. I don't understand why they thought that worked. <laughs> it's too bad because I get what they were trying. They talk about it behind the scenes. Like it's this great uh, yeah. uh, accomplishment and it's a cool idea to have this thing where like, he's so familiar with horses and that the elves are so like light on their feet that yeah. he can just sort of grab it and just sort of fling himself up on it without <laughs> any effort. But it looks so it looks like, oh, you know, I actually, I wrote it down. I forgot. We said it looks like something from the trailer for Tenet, like that it's playing in reverse. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it looks so, like, I, it could look unnatural and also, like, if it was done right, it could look unnatural but, like, um, magical. Yeah. This looks unnatural like a mistake. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. I'd say that's the number one, like, the same with, like, we said uh, Legolas climbing on, on top of the troll Quit making him cgi <laughs> yeah anytime <laughs> they make the legolas problem. cgi in these movies that's that tends to be the low point of the special effects i'm so glad his skateboarding down the side of helm's deep was real though 100 percent. it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> not Orlando him, Bloom. but it was real <laughs> Orlando Bloom standing on the side of being he's not shooting the arrows right he should be yeah. holding the string closer to his face yeah like dude <laughs> get out of here <laughs> uh but yeah that's 
we'll see. I, I'm sure there's probably one. I don't remember one in Return of the King, but those two Legolas moments always stick out to me as like in a yeah. mo- in movies that have excellent groundbreaking special effects. Those stand out as really distractingly bad. Yeah, it's weird. I don't remember if there's any other bad CGI moments. The only other <laughs> thing I noticed was the the backgrounds with the tree beard stuff. Like mm. the, the it looks a little like um like a movie in the fifties when somebody's yeah. driving a car. Oh, I do love when they reveal King Theoden, uh, Bernard Hill's character. Yeah, when he is, they take the curse off of. Him. Oh, that's a great effect. And I it's don't know kind how they of did like. That. I think it's a mix. I read that he actually was wearing like milky contact lenses, mm-hmm. but then they decided it didn't work well, so they CGI'd that. Okay. But I think they did like, I don't remember, reverse or who knows? I don't know. Maybe it's it's two it, That's a great effect. I always forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I didn't see anything Gandalf about Gandalf kicks Saruman like, out of him. Down. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool too. Um. So are you ready for my dumbest piece of trivia? Yeah, I am. I love these. So... Bernard Hill and John Rhys Davies played captains of two ill-fated sister ships, the Titanic and Britannic. What? Exactly. That has nothing to do with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> two actors that were in Lord yeah. of the Rings also were in two other movies that like, they weren't ugh. in together. Yeah. What a weird coincidence. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't understand who sits there and does that stuff. Nerds. Just nerds. Um. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, dumb trivia aside. Uh, how do you feel about Saruman in this whole film? Like his role in it? Um, I think he's cool. I mean, he's maybe and not I, in it as much. Well, yeah, I guess I mean more like, how do you feel like the, it's kind of like a, a mini good and evil battle between the Ents and him. Yeah. Which side do you like more? Like, like? <laughs> no, I don't Saruman know. You know what Ents? I mean? <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> um, I just... I like the whole battle. It's like, I guess between Helm's Deep and this, this one feels more personal. Like you feel the Ents, like how yes. devastated they are by everything. And they're like, wow, we take like 20 years to decide stuff, but now we're going to act. Oh, yeah. Well, like because all their, all those trees were just cut down and they didn't yeah. know about it. Yeah. The murder. Also. Oh, I love that part. And is it only in the extended where you actually see the trees arrive at Helm's Deep? No, it's not only in the extended, but it I was... I don't remember that at all the first time. Oh, wait, Helm's Deep. You mean... Yeah, they show up at the end of Helm's Deep. Oh, and no. And they destroy the rest of the orcs who are running that away. That might be extended. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't, you don't really see them. It's that all the orcs run into the forest, and then suddenly you see the trees moving around. Yeah, but the like, forest ah! wasn't there before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always thought that was so weird, like the little trees can move around. <laughs> That's pretty cool, yeah. Um... And then I like the joke about them losing their ent- wives. And they're like, have you seen them? <laughs> I, and they're like, what do they look like? And they're like, I, I don't remember. <laughs> um, so anyway, let's get into the music. Sure. So what was your favorite musical moment? So this was, I almost picked the same moment that it, I'm going to talk about for my best scene, but I decided to split it up. So for best musical moment, I went with what I'm assuming is called the Rohan theme, which yeah. is... When they first, I think the first time you hear it is when they first um, approach the city of Edoras. They see it, and it's uh, it's the it's like the whole um, very like folky sounding violin, like yeah.
I can play that for you if you want. Cool. Let's do I it. have the music somewhere. Yay. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I love that. That's a cool theme that yeah. is most, I mean, it's a new theme for this movie too. Yeah, I think that's my favorite musical moment too, although it kind of I it went back and forth. My best scene also has the same musical moment that I love. Yeah. So I tried to separate them. Yeah, I have the same problem, but not for the same scene I think yeah. you're going to do. So, best scene, I'm picking Helm's Deep when Gandalf returns with the Riders of Rohan, and the music is playing, and it's bright and majestic. On the fifth day, yeah. when the sun, <laughs> sun rises, rises, look to the east. And then they look to the east, and he's there. And then it's like, I don't even know, play the music here. <laughs> magical and i love it yeah that part is pretty great because it's like at the darkest yeah the night is darkest before the dawn (laughs) exactly so what's your favorite scene man you know i always forget about this because when when we were about to watch two towers i was like you know what i don't even remember how this movie starts really and the opening of the movie is so awesome are you talking about the recap no. Oh, you're talking about, yeah, well, Gandalf. So <laughs> the movie starts with all these like big dramatic uh, aerial shots of a, of the mountain from the first movie. And you hear like echoes of dialogue from like the Mines of Moria and stuff. Yeah. So you're hearing like, okay, echoes of what happened before. And then you're like, oh, we're back in Moria. And yeah. you see the whole, you shall not pass again. You shall not pass. And then <laughs> what? We thought that story was over. No, Gandalf continued Gandalf! to fight. Continue to fight the Balrog while he's falling like a thousand that miles. That scene is so beautiful. It's See, Gandalf amazing. has all the best moments. <laughs> it is so... I mean, the fight when they're falling is very cool. Yeah. But when they cut out, they cut back, and you see from like very far away, the Balrog, the flaming Balrog and Gandalf falling in this like huge yeah. underwater cave into the lake is... My favorite shot of maybe the whole trilogy. It's so yeah. amazing. I always get confused when they end up on top of the mountain. Does that just mean they fell so far there was a mountain down there? No, they got back <laughs> up on top. I don't. I, I'm assuming in the book. I mean, Gandalf says like we battled from the deepest pits to the. Oh, okay. Heights. So I think then they like a long battle. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't the see him climbing up the flew mountain. Back up and Gandalf was like grabbing onto his leg. Yeah, but that scene. That's like the best way to open a movie because I think I read that the studios really wanted Peter Jackson to do another recap in the beginning and he Mm. really fought it. And it was weird because they didn't want him to do one in the first movie where it explains like the battles is like, well, you have to have that. Um, So I think this was his way of being able to add like the, the voices like, remember what happened? I think that's really (laughs) cool because it's subtle and I don't know. Yeah. It gets you back into the mindset of what was happening. Yeah. But um, also this is amazing that that shot, of the the fire falling down is a miniature. That is <laughs> unbelievable. <crazy. Yeah. laughs> you looking at it, you think that shot was 100% CGI because it's so dramatic and big, but yeah, that whole cave is a miniature that yeah. they shot. And then I guess, I don't know what they dropped down at, like a, a, little, a little ball of fire. fire yeah. <laughs> Who but knows? so, so cool looking. Yeah. And the music in that scene is fantastic too. Yeah, and it's like... <laughs> yeah, it's very epic. I love that part. Add music here too. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it's funny, though, for this movie, we haven't really talked about Sam or Frodo that much. It's all the other things. <laughs> well, you know I, what? I actually really do like them in the beginning of this movie. I like that after that scene with Gandalf, for the next, like, maybe not half hour, but at least like 20 minutes or so, yeah. we focus just on Sam and Frodo. Yeah. And then eventually Gollum. I but did yeah. write in my notes that when they're in the, like, the bog or whatever, yeah, and like Frodo falls in and his mouth is open, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's like dead Bogs people juice. Dead <laughs> um, but yeah, I really like when they're like struggling to get out of that that mountainous region and they're like, Oh, it looks like a storm's on the rise and they cut yeah. and, and they're stuck in the thunder. Like you really get the sense that they're like really struggling. I, I really do love that part of this movie a lot. It just shows you how desperate they are. They have to trust Gollum. Like they need his help. They can't get out without him. Yeah. They keep going in circles. And then I guess I'm still confused about where they're going to when they finally get to the gates the of Gate. Mor Another Mordor. Miniature. It's, and then Gollum's like, oh, but there's another way. It seems like they have, like, where are they going? Like, it seems so far away, and they were right there. Well, the gate is, like, I think the most direct access to, like, yeah. Mordor and Mount Doom. And then um, the secret passage that we haven't gotten to yet. Because then they get, like, captured by, what's his name after that? Uh, Faramir, yeah. Yeah, they're going around to to go some way that's not so guarded. Yeah. Which ends up being where the spider is i believe yeah also the black gates are mini bigature yeah miniature. really really cool <laughs> that really you really feel the weight of it it doesn't yeah. feel small it's really cool it's surprising how movie magic works <laughs> yep. uh did you have any more thoughts on two towers well we didn't do our best practical effect or our favorite oh. monster well yeah I don't I know if I had a practical monster. effect. Well, for practical, <laughs> we've already talked about everything that I've yeah. I said the various miniature scales of Helm's Deep and the full-scale Edoras that's built on the rocky outcrop. And for monster, I kind of go back and forth if Gollum counts as a monster. Yeah, that's He's true. obviously the best. <laughs> Although, I will say I really like the... I know they have a name, and I'm meant to look them up. The uh, the dragons that the wraith... You only yeah, see they're like the ring race, but they have flight they, they now. They ride on the, those... <laughs> they're called like fell wings or fell glooms, something like that. Yeah. Those are really cool, too. I like And I like the sound design of their wings and their roars and stuff, too. Really Nazgul. Cool. Well, Nazgul are the wraiths. I don't know what the dragons are called. Yeah. It's definitely fell something. Hell hawks, fell beast. Fell beast, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really cool, too. That's a great monster. Yeah, and also in that scene, we get what's-his-name back for a split moment. Um, it's just only in the extended oh, Sean Bean's character. Uh, yeah, Boromir. Yeah, he comes back. He's like, hey. And then you realize, like, oh, he's about to go meet Frodo and yeah. at the meeting of the rings. It is, I like that bit because you get a little bit more background. I feel like one thing where the movies don't work as well as the books probably do is, like, the world of men is very ill-defined in the movies, I yeah. think. Like, you don't really get a sense of what's going on. Like, or you have to read into it a lot more in the movies. Um, but th so that background with where they show Boromir having, like, recaptured as Gilead or whatever yeah. is pretty interesting because it gives you a little bit more background about kind of how things work in Gondor. I'd hate to be in the world of men when you have all that other cool stuff around you, like which, who would you want to be? I want to be an elf. Oh, elves are so yeah, cool. Yeah. They're the best. <laughs> I don't really care for the like immortal Im immortality, but 
I want magic. Yeah, yeah. Elves are very cool, for sure. And long hair. Long, luxurious, yeah. glowing locks. Well, plus you can get up on horses really cool ways. Yeah. It could be cool to be a tree, though. You just want to sit still all day. Yeah. That's your I goal. I don't think... Well, hobbits, you get to eat a lot and run around barefoot. Hobbits are pretty smart, too. They can be pretty smart. Yeah, sneaky. Hobbits save the Hobbit world. Hobbitsies. <laughs> Nobody wants to be Gollum. <laughs> Harley. Our yeah. cat is Gollum, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, best monster and practical effects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see. Kind of a mix of everything. Oh, here's another good bit of, like, industrial thematics. I always forget that Saruman invents gunpowder in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, that makes it a little, like... Middle Earth menus or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, is it our world too? <laughs> um, we haven't. We didn't really talk that much about the Battle of Helm's Deep. Do you think it's the best battle in, in the Lord of the Rings? I don't know because we have to watch the next battle. Yeah, I I remember it much better than the battle at the in the end of Return of the King. But yeah. um, even though that one's arguably bigger and maybe better, I don't know. I think Helm's Deep is really awesome though because they're. They're sort of prepared, but not really. And they're like, this is going to be hopeless. And then like 300 elves show but I up. Die yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, they're already like defeated before it starts. And then you get the different layers of like, I do like, uh, well, there's like the different, there's like the outer wall, the inner wall, the keep, the caves. Yeah. But I like the part when they all ride out on horses across the bridge. Yeah. I forgot to rewatch it before this, but there's a great, um, I don't remember if it's Nerd Rider or Every Frame of Painting, a YouTube video that break down why Helm's Deep works so well. But a lot of it has to do with like that it's set in stages. Yeah. Like like you said, that it's like, okay, first there's like the outer battle and then they breach the wall and then they breach the door. Yeah. And it's like different steps that happen. So it's not just monotonous fighting constantly. They yeah. do a really good job with that. Um, something that I think, I think Helm's Deep set the like formula for all future movie battles for Definitely. sure i mean you look at something like uh the battle of the bastards in lord in um game of thrones is very much like um structurally based on helm's yeah. deep and the way it's put together and it is also awesome in its own right but um boy before game of thrones totally went down the tubes. <laughs> um but yeah helm's deep was certainly like a major landmark in um, action movie. I, don't, I guess you call it action. Yeah, and but it took what, like three months to film? It was a ton of filming with lots of. Well, they only had like a hundred actual Urukai. Yeah. And so they had to keep doing that everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they'd layer them. And then this is where they really got a chance to try out Weta Workshop, their whole um, like engine where it like they create like a certain number of orcs and they all have a certain number of rules that they, they all have rules that they follow, yeah. like digital characters that actually move independently yeah. and do individual actions i like in the behind the scenes where like if you're or if you fall and you have a torch you have to keep your hand oh, yeah. up and we will come to you do not light the woods <laughs> yeah. on fire yeah it's a miracle they didn't destroy half of new zealand making yeah. these movies <laughs> on accident i also like all when we were watching the behind the scenes with all the stunt men like just jumping off the wall like oh, yeah, repeatedly just to just get a bunch of different falls. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I think there is a Wilhelm scream somewhere in Helm's Oh Deep. yeah, it's kind of obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> the one yeah, it's really it's not subtle even a little. Yeah. <laughs> this is the beginning of the death of the Wilhelm scream. By the way, this has nothing to do with Lord of the Rings, but do you know what like the new supposedly I haven't done a ton of research into this yet, 
the new like Wilhelm scream is. No. Like sound designers have kind of stopped using Wilhelm scream because it's it's not an inside joke anymore. Everybody yeah. knows about it. But um there's a new one that they're trying to use, particularly in new Star Wars movies, that is apparently somebody found a, a clip, a recording of George Lucas screaming <laughs> on the set of um, uh, American Graffiti, I think. Mm. And they've been using that as like their background screen that that's they're funny. cutting into everything. So I really, I want to find it because I actually haven't heard it yet, but I keep hearing that that's what yeah. people are using as the new kind I want of people to just jerk. put peter jackson in all their movies more oh my god <laughs> he keeps popping up <laughs> i love when he shows up he's so ridiculous yeah we're always like oh oh there he is <laughs> dirty dirty old man he's always like Rah! yeah I think, i'm pretty sure I, I don't know if you saw it in the in the trivia but he is he's one of the like wildling guys in this right yeah i'm pretty sure it looks like him <laughs> but so also like behind the scenes he's so into every single role he'll like act it and along and be whoever like he played uh bilbo's part in fellowship when they were testing out the uh-huh. perspectives i don't remember what he, he probably did everything in this they well before andy <laughs> came along, like, they based all <laughs> they based Gollum's expressions off crazy faces that peter jackson, peter jackson made. yeah made. they have pictures of him hanging up <laughs> he's and in everything we've seen no matter where they are or what's going on he if at all possible is not wearing shoes <laughs> yeah anywhere that's not rocks he's not wearing shoes he's always wearing shorts 100 percent of the time wearing shorts no matter even if it's snowing outside yeah like I didn't think New Zealand was that warm. It's no, pretty far down south. <laughs> it's really funny. I love Peter Jackson so much. Yeah. And in post production, he is a hundred percent of the time laying down on a on a couch. Yeah. With his <laughs> shoes off. Yeah. I love Peter Jackson. He's, he's the best. Um. Oh, PJ. My man. My boy. My boy PJ. <laughs> so I think that's everything I have. Unless you have any more last minute throw-in what's tetas master yeah no also harley is gollum yeah i like that part you smash them and i think uh what's the scene when he has i always like the scene when he has the rabbits and he's just like bleh at frodo's feet yeah all right, so basically, we love Gollum, and it reminds us of us Har- of Harley, little mm-hmm. Harleykins, and we're gonna go run and watch Return of the King. We'll be back in a quick four hours. Just hang yeah. tight. Yeah. See you later. The eye of the enemy is moving. The end has come. Give him the sword of the king. Come who you were born to be. The precious sleepy eyes. He makes to murder us! Baba! I'm not sending him away. Come to me. I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of man fails. When we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. Whatever happens, stay with me. This day, we fight! All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. We shall see the Shire again. We cannot achieve victory through strength of arms. Not for ourselves. 
can give Frodo a chance. So we just finished watching Return of the King. In record time. We watched All it really fast. Four hours. We watched it at 30 times speed. I think we got the gist. Basically. The King returned. All is well. <laughs> We're good. Um, Yeah. So the third movie in The Lord of the Rings. Uh, When did it come out? I didn't even. I don't even 2003. know. 2003. Thanks. I'm prepared. How many years is that after Two Towers? I think Two Towers was 2002. Like, wasn't it was it once one a year? year? That's so crazy to think. Let me double check. I thought it was separated a little more than that. <laughs> 2002, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Um, well, I mean, I guess they had like a year to edit each one in between because they finished filming it early. Yeah. We'll yeah, talk it was 2001, 2002, 2003. Man, that's so wild <laughs> to think about now. Um, yeah, so the last movie in the trilogy. So let's do a quick basic synopsis, I guess, first. So the end of Two Towers left us, um, you know, they had uh, uh, Sam and Frodo were closer to Mordor with uh, with Gollum, and Gollum has kind of decided he's going to betray them, but we don't know how exactly yet. And yeah, then this mysterious she figure, he keeps saying she'll, yeah, she'll get, get them. them. <laughs> um, yeah, and then on the other side of it, uh, Gandalf and the others, they've toppled Isengard, but we don't know what happened with Saruman yet. Nope. Um, and then, uh, yeah, they're just sort of figuring out what, what to do next, I guess. So in this movie, uh, we get stuff just to kind of run down some stuff that happens. Uh, Saruman dies um, in like the first 10 minutes of the movie, basically. Um, and then they continue on to... Uh, Gondor to try and figure out what to do with the, the armies of men because the armies of Mordor are leaving Mordor and starting to like invade the rest of the world, I guess. Um, and meanwhile, Frodo and Sam are with Gollum and getting very, very close to Mordor. And, you know, obviously by the end we're getting into Mordor, into Mount Doom and all that stuff. And then the big, big battle in this one is the, uh, where they muster all the forces of men and elves and everybody else they can find at Minas Tirith. Minas Tirith, however you want minus, to say it. I kept thinking it was Minas Truth, <laughs> so I kept writing it minus wrong. Truth. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Minas Tirith, which is like the huge kind of spiral, uh, really cool-looking castle fortress that uh, defends. It's right across the river from Mordor, basically. And basically, this movie crammed as much stuff as it possibly can into it. Yeah, it's a big There's movie. There's a lot that goes on. I always forget. There's so many things that happen in the movie that I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that's in this yeah. one. So, yeah, there's a lot of lot of stuff going on. So, um... Can I say I love the opening of this Tell movie. me about it. You get to see Gollum as a real oh, right. person. That's right. Yeah, that's. It. I always forget that's in this one. Yeah, that's how it, it starts, and I'm always... I don't know. I just Smeagol and yeah, Deagle. Smeagol. Yeah. Why are their names like Smeagol, Deagle, Bleagle? <laughs> Maybe Tolkien at that point was like Smeagol uh, and I don't know, Deagle. Yeah. <laughs> so basically you finally get to see like Gollum finding, well, his friend finds the ring and you get to see him murder, murder, murder. <laughs> his friend for it. And then murder. you get this epic transformation of him becoming Gollum. Yeah, that sequence is... I always forget about that. That sequence is really cool where you're seeing, like, over time, he's changing from less yeah. less of a person into the Gollum that we know and love. Yeah, because when you said Saruman dies, I'm like, well, 
actually, yeah. And yeah, then it I forgot. Goes into Saruman. Yeah, I've got Smeagol Deagle, and then Smeagol Deagle, Saruman. and then Sar- Saruman. Yeah, yeah, this whole Saruman. Th- what do you think about? I always have sort of mixed feelings about that Saruman scene. It, I wish it came a little bit later in the film. I don't know. Like, I there's no build up, so I think you just it, jump right to it. Yeah, I think it happens in. Actually, I think you know when you want to hear something weird. I could be wrong about this, but I feel like I read in the trivia that scene is not in the regular movie. Which means you never, in, if you just watch them in theaters, you never know what happens to I feel to like Saruman. I kind of remember thinking that, Isn't that when weird? I was a kid and saw it. I'm like, well, what happened to that guy in the tower? Like- yeah. <laughs> it's funny because that scene does feel like an extended scene. Like it feels a little out of place, even though it's obviously yeah. important to know what happens to Saruman. He's like one it of the It should have just been in the other, the ending of NFT the other towers. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. Because yeah, it feels very sort of anticlimactic here. He yeah, just, they just sort of, they're talking from like a mile away apart. Yeah, it's like, hey. yeah it would have been, it's, we kept joking. It would have been like the scene in Shazam. What? And he's like, yeah, what? Why do you think? I can't hear you. Because uh, he's all the way at the top of the tower. But yeah. yeah, and I always forget how it plays out, but it's uh, Wormtongue. It's Grima that st- actually stabs uh, Saruman, and then he... well, it kind of seems like Wormtongue's gonna like help them, sort of. He well, has, he like get... a character change. Yeah, he gets upset because Saruman is like, you know, we never could have trusted. Like he's yeah. basically talking bad about him, and he's right yeah. behind him. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that that scene always feels funny. Although I do, I love the part with um with Saruman on the spiked wheel, like going underwater. Yeah, that's, like that's that. a cool end for that character. It's like, maybe he'll walk it off. Like, you know, walk it off. <laughs> he, he falls onto like the stake and then he drowns underwater. Yeah. It's like just to solidify it. <laughs> um, and so then rest in peace. Yeah. Saruman. <laughs> Thank you, Christopher Lee. Um, Oh, so I had a, I had a great piece of trivia about, uh, about that scene actually. So while filming Saruman's death scene, uh, Peter Jackson tried to tell Christopher Lee how to react and breathe after he got stabbed in the chest. And Christopher Lee, who was a World War II vet, with, and he was in mm-hmm. the British Special Forces, he assured Peter Jackson that he knew what a man sounded like after he was oh stabbed God. in the chest. <laughs> Christopher Lee is a badass. <laughs> he really is. One of the most interesting people that's ever lived, I think. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah, he knew exactly how to act because uh, in one way or another, he's experienced that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was kind of interesting. Um. So, uh, yeah, so then let's, I guess we'll kind of just keep moving through the movie a little bit. So the Fro, let's talk about the Frodo and Sam and Gollum part of this movie for a minute. Um, so they are making their way through, um, where, where are they in the beginning of this movie? I'm trying to remember. They're just sort of, they're in like the. They're trying to go find the secret path that Gollum right, told them about. That's right. The and staircase. they're climbing up the so, very right. high stairs. <laughs> so, and this is where the Gollum starts to drive the two, the Sam and Frodo apart. Yes. Because he. The fat hobbit. Yes. Fat hobbit. <laughs> so Sam knows that Gollum's up to something and Gollum keeps making it seem like Sam is just being mean. And then there's the whole thing with the food where Gollum, they, they're already like running super low on food. And Gollum throws most of their food off a cliff and blames it on and sprinkles <laughs> sprinkles crumbs on <laughs> Sam like he's sprinkling crack on a, on God. somebody. Uh, yeah, so he basically frames Sam for having eaten all their rations, yeah. and so then Frodo makes tells Sam to go home, which is so sad. It's like, dude, I walked all this way, and now you're gonna tell me to go home? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they make their way up that long super uh, steep staircase they see that really cool i can't remember what that place is called minus i think it's minus morgul is where um the big armies come out 
Right. Yeah. It's where they're sneaking out the staircase and the army is marching out of Mordor and the uh the Witch King is flying around on his fell beast, which yeah. is really cool. Um uh yeah, and then they lead the Gollum leads them to Shelob, which Shelob. is the, the big spider creature. <laughs> so let's talk about for a second, let's talk about our favorite creature in the movie. What's your favorite creature? Uh I wanna say Gollum. <laughs> As Andy Again? Circus as Gollum? Second no, like there. the practical version of oh, him. Okay. <laughs> like a transformation? Yeah, when he has his little, like his face is changing and they have the, the real effects on him. He's very monstrous and creepy and I kind of wish they would have used that the entire time. <laughs> it would have been so disturbing. <laughs> yes, it is really cool. They do a really good job of doing like that. It's like piecemeal, like you see it change every time you cut, and then they do like an actual kind of transformation. Yeah, it is really cool. That's well, a I mean, good effect. There's a bunch of different monsters. I mean, the spider is probably the biggest monster if you don't count like the elephants and any of the big orc mm. people. Um, other than that, I wouldn't call them monsters, but I do like the ghost army. Yeah, I do too. I think they're really they're pretty cool. They're just disgruntled disgruntled ghosts yeah <laughs> uh yeah my i picked shelob the the spider for my uh favorite creature just because i like i really it's almost weird because i think the build-up to her is even cooler than she is like yeah. it's a uh, it, like it's great the way they build up to it like we're getting so close to the end of the journey this must be some really horrific creature um but it's cool that it's like a legendary monster that's lived there for centuries or whatever. I also really like Frodo when he's wrapped up in all the spider webs. <laughs> so I have something to say about that. So um one of the pieces of trivia says Elijah Wood is noted for his ability to stare fixedly in front of him for ages without blinking, <laughs> apparently, which came in very useful for the scenes where the comatose Frodo was wrapped up in Shelob's web like cocoon. <laughs> and we really like that scene for a different reason. Because Why is that? I look like Frodo when I'm wrapped up in my blankets. <laughs> so yeah, we reenact that scene all the time. Michelle's wrapped up in a blanket. He's my long lost brother. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think all the stuff with Shelob, I think it turned out really cool. The sound design's really cool. And Well, you also get like, they get to use the cool little sword or Sam gets to redeem like his, he saves Frodo. Um, yeah it's a really good a redemption story like because he didn't do anything them. wrong but he does get to come back and save him which is nice when frodo and sam get to do a little fighting too yeah it's the first because all they while. really do is walk <laughs> yeah they're in two towers walk especially climb, that's kind of all they do um and then yeah what happens Gollum just like runs away right because the orcs come yeah yeah, I think he just runs away. Like, Frodo kind of attacks him, but he can't get to him, I think. Yeah, and then Gollum just kind of disappears until later on. Yeah, pops up at the least opportune moment. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so let's talk about um. Let's talk about our best lines in the movie. L best line or meme? Well, there's... I rewatched a scene because I couldn't remember if I had exaggerated it so much. <laughs> And I had. <laughs> um, I think meme moment is when Frodo wakes up and he's like, Gan 
Linda. Oh, <laughs> I, I forgot about that one. That one is good. Well, there are lots of funny videos. It's actually, that. he's just like Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. So like, there's a video where they make all of them have these googly eyes and they're yeah. all like, and, and Gandalf is looking at him in slow motion. He's like, yeah, but also that's a great moment because you forget Frodo has thought that Gandalf is dead since the first True. movie. Like he's thought Gandalf is dead and he hasn't seen any of these people yeah. since in probably months and Some months. Good old Sam's face. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I, I actually love that moment when Sam shows it back up and yeah. they just have this kind of knowing look at it's each other. Like, Yo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for best line, uh, I also had two other ones. So I like the part when Eowyn is in the battle scene and mm-hmm. she's oh, he's like, no man can kill me. And she's like, I am no man. <laughs> it is and, awesome. Like, rips off her helmet. <laughs> um, and then also meme moment is the dude eating really, really gross foods. Yeah, that's like, a good one. I've got some, <laughs> I don't remember his name. <laughs> I've got some watermelon here. It's Denethor. And he eats his uh, his his tomato. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so gross <laughs> it is gross um i can't believe you didn't pick the one that to me was obvious i didn't have a choice in picking this what? one my favorite meme is share the load oh i forgot that was in this one i didn't write it down <laughs> yeah. so yeah that's it's Fro- or sam asking uh frodo if he can carry the ring for a while to help him share yeah the- and we say that all the time this is in slow motion <laughs> I love it. And then Frodo's like, "What? <laughs> He's trying to steal it." This movie has a ton of great lines, though, and I had a hard time picking best line and best scene. There are so many that have that in common. They're really yeah. good, good bits. So we'll talk about that when we do best scene too. But um, let's talk about effects for a second here. Okay. Um, I have a piece of trivia that was interesting. Um, the dead Oliphant carcass that is in the big battle. Uh, it's one. It's like a dead one laying down is like the only practical one. The rest are CGI. Um, it is reportedly the largest prop ever built for a movie. Uh, they said, according to the members of the prop department, director Peter Jackson still thought it could have been bigger. <laughs> it, it's weird. The trivia doesn't say how big it is, but I remember in the behind the scenes movie, it said they had to bring it in on like eight trucks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like enormous, which is kind of crazy. It'll probably still be the largest prop ever built for me because <laughs> nobody will ever build anything anymore. <laughs> Just CGI it, bro. <laughs> um, what's your favorite practical effect in the movie? Uh, practical effect. I mean, I guess I kind of already mentioned it. And like Andy Serkis says, uh, Gollum transformation. But I also like the spider webs on Frodo. Yeah, those are really um, cool. That's a good one. I didn't think about that. And although, <laughs> what do you say? Like in the behind the scenes, we watched it. He kept saying like, "Time to get in my condom or something." Yeah, he called it his giant condom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably mine. Yeah, I actually this this is the hardest one for me to pick for this movie because it's there not aren't as that obvious. Many, yeah. Well, it's and it's kind of like we've already talked about the same stuff. Like in the other yeah. movies, we talked about like the miniatures and stuff, and and the the force perspective. And this movie continues to do a lot of that stuff really yeah, well. Like the does. miniatures for Minas Tirith are really cool, for example. But um, yeah, the only one I had that I thought was specifically really interesting, specific to this movie, was um, and this is so weird because you would never do this now, but when Frodo and Sam are escaping Mount Doom and they're like surrounded by lava. That yeah. lava is a real effect. It's not CGI'd. It's like, um, I can't remember exactly. It's some kind of like really thick liquid that they had pouring down this long 
uh, like clear track, and then they had an ultraviolet light shining from beneath, so it like glowed red. Mm. And then they put like sprinkle stuff on top of it to make it look like you know the cooled rock layer on top of the like moving lava. Yeah, and it looks really cool. It looks very real. I just always assume, I would have never even thought about that not being CGI. It just seems like something obvious they use water effects for or whatever. But yeah. it looks very cool. I also like in the um, like Ghost Army Underground scene. Mm-hmm. It's not really like an effect, but they used all those skulls t- to like yeah, come to had, tumbling out. <laughs> they didn't have nearly as many as you see on screen. Yeah. but they did have it's like still thousands. A good of amount. Fake skulls. They, were, they said they was all modeled after one real skull. So yeah. one one random straight <laughs> person, his skull is used like a thousand times. Yeah. In this movie. And in the Ghost Army, I'm guessing it's the same effects of like the frighteners ghost people yeah i mean they're basically just invisible i mean yeah. or like uh not invisible but i do um, like that they're green <laughs> yeah yeah the ghosts are the ghosts look very cool i think that portion of the movie is pretty neat there was some trivia about that like peter jackson really didn't want to include that in the movie at all he, the ghost he, people yeah which is surprising because that seems that's right up his win. alley yeah, <laughs> he 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 didn't want to include that in the movie. He thought I I can't remember exactly what it said. He maybe he thought it was too like supernatural or something. Mm. Um, but I I think the ghost thing is really neat. I think it's one of the because unique the giant things in this eye movie. on a tower isn't supernatural. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember if that's exactly why he, said he didn't want to. But yeah, um, let's talk about some of the awards that this movie won because I think this is kind of interesting. So, um. This movie, I, I assume this is still the case, uh, it has the highest perfect score at the Academy Awards, which means it won, uh, it was nominated for 11 things, and it won all 11 of those awards, which is kind of wild. Yeah. Um, this is the And this is the only time that the third movie in a franchise has won Best Picture. Well, because the second one didn't do that well, right? Like, oh, it didn't awards. really win awards. I can't remember. Oh, I know all three of them have won Best Visual Effects for sure. Um, and then, yeah, this movie like swept the Oscars completely. Uh, and, but it's funny. These are also, it's just such a blockbuster movie kind of thing too. It was nominated for 11 awards and won all 11. None of those are for acting awards, which is kind of crazy. I think it's because nobody, maybe apart from Aragorn really gets that much screen time. Maybe. There's just so many characters that everybody gets like a little piece. I feel like that's probably why nobody stands out for... And like their entire journey is over three movies. So that's, I mean, that's fair, but I do think it's kind of a genre bias thing. Like you're not going to give like Gollum an award when, when Meryl Streep, you know, played somebody this year or whatever. She was the devil who wore Prada probably. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I just thought that was pretty cool. I, didn't, I always forget that this movie won a gazillion Academy Awards, which also definitely feels kind of like they're giving an award to the entire trilogy, too, because yeah. we'll talk about this later, but I don't necessarily think Return of the King is the best of the three. We'll talk about that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, and then the other interesting kind of funny thing said the final day of filming on the entire trilogy of the three movies actually happened a month after the movie was released and three weeks after the Academy Awards. Peter Jackson arranged to film one final shot. He just couldn't leave it alone. One final shot of skulls on the floor in the tunnel of the paths of the dead, which was included on the extended version of the movie. He thought it was funny to be doing filming on a movie that had already won best picture. (laughs) (laughs) So the movie had already won best picture and 10 other Oscars. And he was still filming extra stuff for the extended version. (laughs) Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. Um, let's see what else we got here. Let's talk about, music 
music. So, um, what's your favorite musical moment in the movie? Um, for me, I have two songs, but you cheater. It's the same scene, basically. Okay. So I really like the end of all things when Frodo and Sam are sitting after they have destroyed the ring and they're sitting on the rocks outside of Mount Doom waiting to be, or they're reminiscing about um, the Shire. Oh, yeah. And talking if about, I were ever to marry yeah. a woman, it would be, what's her name? Yeah, he's like, I want to get laid, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I really like that, that song that plays during it because it's really like a, cathartic moment. I don't remember that one. When they're all sad and then the big eagle people come. Like the song before that, which is in Mount Doom when Frodo basically becomes evil and he's like, no, <laughs> um, but they, you have like the epic choir and like all the lava falling and everything. Yeah, that's um, a good one. So that I went back and listened. That scene reminds me one because of the lava, but also because of the music. It reminds me so much of Revenge of the Sith. The scene when mm-hmm. Anakin. Mm-hmm. Well, oh no. not that specific song. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Sorry, Harper, I was not Phantom Menace. Menace. Yeah. Um, it's the only Star Wars prequel. Yeah, song when I know. Uh, Obi Wan and Anakin are dueling in the lava world, and it's. I went back and listened. It's like the almost exactly the same. Weird. <laughs> like they even use a choir too. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, hmm, the, that, this came up before that. So they ripped off that scene. <laughs> Ooh, call, John, uh, John Williams got mm, yeah. shade from the show. <laughs> so that's probably my favorite musical moments. That's an interesting one. Uh, I want to come back after music and talk about that lava scene. For sure, because there's some interesting stuff yeah. there. But um, for my musical one, I as we were watching it, we got to the part where they did the um, lighting of the beacons. So yeah, Gondor I put that online when uh, uh, Mary sneaks up and not Mary Pippin uh, climbs up and lights the beacon against the will of Denethor, and then it, all the other beacons start lighting up. That part's really cool. I love the music there. But my favorite, but then after that comes the one that was like, oh, duh, this has got to be, <laughs> which is, I don't I think you had what it was named. I can't remember. Uh, I just call it Pippin's song. It's called um, The Sacrifice of Faramir. 
Mer. Oh yeah, that makes because sense. Because it's playing, he's singing over Faramir's Yeah, so it's when Faramir is like, <laughs> his dad won't give up and makes him go back to try and take Asgillioth, and they know that there's no way they could possibly yeah. succeed, but he does it anyway. And yeah, and then Pippin sings this epic, sad... Sing it! Sing it for us! Okay, okay. Okay, let me go get my violin. I'll All be right. back up. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All right. <clears> Home <throat> is behind the world ahead And there are many paths to tread Through shadow to the edge of night Until the stars are all alight Mist and shadow, cloud and shade, God, that was amazing. You too. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks to us. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny. They said something in the trivia that like uh they the cast did like a karaoke night and everybody was blown away by how well Billy Boyd could sing. <laughs> so they kind of wrote this in because of that, I think. Yeah. But it works so well. It makes that moment so like haunting and tragic feeling. It's really yeah, great. Yeah, cuz it's a great it overlaps like this epic battle that's over so quickly. The horse is like slow yeah. motion galloping towards what they know is their doom. Yeah. But they have to do it anyway. Yeah. For father's love. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, that guy, what's his name again? The actor? Yes. Wait, which one? The, the character. The evil. The dad? Denethor? Yeah. Denethor. Uh, oh, man. What is his name? No, just his character name. Denethor. Yeah. Denethor. <laughs> he has like the most epic death ever oh, yeah. he like runs so far on fire that's the only thing i don't believe in this movie like we keep yeah. talking about the orlando bloom stuff it's like, this is the part they cut it so it feels like he's only on fire for like 15 seconds but like if you, we know how long that bridge yeah, is yeah like they walked a long time he to was get running to the, for like, probably tomb two, that they're in. four or five minutes maybe <laughs> on fire yeah, and like, then falls off the edge. he like even has gas on him <laughs> but it does it does make for a really cool shot yeah i mean somebody it. had to f jump off of that <laughs> yeah. if we were if that was a place in skyrim when we were playing we would yeah. totally save and then jump off the edge yeah <laughs> but that guy's so annoying throughout this whole Denethor. film i hate him yeah he's almost like the ultimate villain in this movie right yeah he he's basically just replacing the uh theoden uh from the second yeah one, theoden is when like he was like totally uh um what, what's the word i'm looking for um anyways he's he's become such a like stout good character like you know you can yeah. depend on him but denethor is like he's well he's, he's like not under any manipulation and he's right. still he's just an ass bad <laughs> well he doesn't want to give up his uh he's the just the steward for now he doesn't yeah. want to give up his steward's throne to aragorn and he's sad that boromir is dead and he hates his other son faramir yeah and then when Faramir gets hurt, he's just going to put him on the pyre, even though he's not really dead. He's going to kill him anyways. Yeah, and there's a scene where he's like, my son, and he's actually hallucinating and seeing a 
or mirror ghost, which I thought was a little weird. Mm. Um, But right before you see Boromir's ghost, you kind of think like, oh, maybe he is under a spell because there's like a moment of clarity. He's like, oh, you are my son. But then it's like, no, no, you are not my son. (laughs) I think Denethor is meant to be like the um, like they talk all the time in these movies about like the weakness of men. Yeah. And how like this is why Mordor has come back because like the men cannot be depended on anymore. Yeah, because he really wants that ring and he's blaming his son for not bringing it to yeah, him. Yeah, and Denethor is like the epitome of that. Like he just can't take charge and do what needs to be done. Yeah. He's too self-absorbed. Yeah, so he's sitting at that table eating tomatoes and yeah. making Pippin sing <laughs> for him while like this gigantic battle's happening outside. Yeah. And then once he thinks his last son is dead, suddenly he's like, ah, my line of people are gone or whatever. Yeah, he basically just loses his mind. Yeah. He's crazy and I hate him. Yeah. Denethor and then Gandalf is... has to step up yeah. and he's like, move aside <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. He basically commands the whole Gondor army. Yeah, because he won't do anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we talked about that scene where Frodo and Sam and Gollum are in the inside Mount Doom. Uh, and yeah, I think that that scene is super interesting to me. I think it's one of the most interesting things in the whole trilogy because in a different, in a, in a simpler story, Frodo would get there and then he'd be like, finally, and he might struggle to be like, oh, this is really hard to do, but he would just drop the ring in. Right. Yeah. But this is super interesting because Frodo, who's like the purest character, like, you know, incorruptible is being corrupted by this awful thing. And even he can't destroy the ring on his own This little hobbit who doesn't know anything about war suddenly has like <laughs> yeah he evil side he can't do it which is it's a real i think it's a, one of the best parts of the story honestly because it's very much like absolute power corrupts no matter what like even if yeah. you're the most pure person you can't you know power you can't uh avoid it yeah um and it's real it's kind of awful because you've seen them get this far and like ev- and, and plus at the same time we're seeing um, the last, the remaining army of men who they won at minus Tirith, thanks to the ghost army. And then they go to the gate at Mordor, basically just to distract Sauron. So yeah, that, to give them time. So Frodo and Sam can get in, which they don't even know if Frodo and Sam are alive, but they're hoping I'm they are. I remember, like somebody does tell them like a few days ago, they went this way and then. Yeah. Who is it that saw them? Um, I mean, I, they confirm it with Faramir yeah. before he well, maybe off. that's who it was. Yeah. Maybe they knew Fer- that he was alive with Faramir, but um, but yeah, they don't really even know how far Frodo and Sam have made it. But they're gonna, they're basically just gonna draw Sauron's attention away so that they have a chance to get to Mount Doom. Yeah. Um. So, and their army is like hopelessly outnumbered there at the at the Black Gate. So it's also in in in, in addition to it being like you must destroy this ring or the world will end. Like the rest of the characters in the movie will also die momentarily if they don't. It'd be a pretty depressing ending. Yeah. So when Frodo says like, no, yeah. it turns out, it's like, oh man, it's a sinking, <laughs> sinking feeling kind of thing. So yeah, it is. I, that whole scene is really interesting. It's very, it's, um, it's not your typical climax, moral climax of the movie, which yeah. is great. Um, and so, yeah. And then we get Gollum and him fighting over the ring and that, well, yeah, I picked too. that for my favorite scene, but also including like the stuff before it when they're climbing up the mountain and Sam is like, if I can't carry the ring, I'll carry you. And then he's like, Rah! yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> I can't carry the ring, but I yeah. can carry you. Yeah. That was one of the other lines I thought yeah. about including. Um, and then I also, also right after Frodo is like evil, you have that epic 
like fight scene with him and Gollum, like yeah. Gollum's fighting him while he's invisible and like bites his. Oh finger right, off. I always forget how weird that scene looks. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, just Gollum's like, just floating around and <laughs> floating around, biting something yeah. that you can't see. Um, but then I, I also really like how happy Gollum is. He finally gets his uh, ring, his precious back, and I keep forgetting like he hasn't had this ring in probably like eighty years, maybe. Depends By the time on, if you're Bilbo, talking about book or movie, yeah. It's been Since a long Bilbo time. Bilbo took it in The Hobbit. Yeah, it's been a him. long time. Yeah. At least 50, 60 years. And then, like, and he's... it was keeping Gollum alive, by yeah. the way. You know, <laughs> it's extended his life by centuries. Um, so I really like he, he finally is like super ecstatic, but then he's like jumping for joy. And then Frodo's like going to kill him for the ring, just like Smeagol and Beagle. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also feel it's weird when Gollum falls into the lava, he doesn't scream or anything. Yeah, well, he's I think he's like... too obsessed with the ring. He's trying to <laughs> yeah. save the ring, yeah. Um, we talked about that part at the Black Gate. This is the piece of tree I've been saving and super excited to tell you about because it blew my mind when I read it. Uh, okay, so you remember, and this is only in the extended version. You remember in the, when they're at the Black Gate and that guy comes out who's got the creepy-looking mouth? And yeah, tells I hate them that guy. the messenger. So I he's think it's called Doug Jones. <laughs> no, you're gonna wait till you hear who it is. The uh the name of that character is the mouth of Sauron. Yeah. Which is cool. There was another interesting oh well yeah, so they the trivia actually just says that basically they enlarged his real mouth digitally. Mm. They just made his mouth take up the entire space of what was open on the helmet. Uh which is cool. Um guess who plays that guy? Yeah. Bruce Spence, aka the gyrocopter pilot from road warrior. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like j even just from the mouth, that's totally him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So dude from road warrior and he already has a big mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he plays the mouth of Sauron. It's only in the extended version, but yeah. Yeah. Kind of cool I, I didn't really remember that happening when they like send him out and he's like, Saren says no. I think like, I think it's <laughs> it's a good cut for the right, for the normal version of the movie because it's not yeah. doesn't really accomplish anything. No. It just sort of slows down the story a little bit. Yeah. But it, I like that. I think that character is kind of cool looking. Well, I kept saying that. Like, I wonder how many Mad Max extras are in Lord of the Rings and yeah, vice versa. Well, there's one. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a good part section that um, I think would be good to talk about. I I do think this movie one of the problems that it has. And maybe this, and this is probably more pronounced with the extended version, but just in general, I feel like it moves a little too slow. There's there's some pacing issues, I think. In, in Return of the King? Yeah. Like, for example, right there, they've already won, or not, not necessarily pacing issues, but it just feels sort of weird that, like, we've won this gigantic battle, yeah. and then they go to the gate, and it's like, oh, we're still hopelessly outnumbered. Like, it feels like we've already had the climax of the movie, and yet they're still sort of battling. And then, obviously, that slowness continues to an extreme amount this is what this movie gets made fun of for a lot is the <laughs> last like 45 minutes of the movie it's just everybody saying goodbye over and over yeah, again yeah but i'm fine with that i think it works as it's especially in the extended versions because we've all been watching such super long versions of these movies you're pretty invested in these characters so we're as sentimental about it as the characters are um but I do get that. I remember when I saw it in theaters when I was younger. I will see 2003. I would have been what 15 years old. Yeah, I do remember feeling like, oh my god, is this movie over <laughs> or what? Like they've already destroyed the yeah. ring. Like how many times do we got to see people like say goodbye and <laughs> whatever? I think watching it back to back really helps. That I agree. I totally. Agree. I could see being like, okay, I don't remember who you are. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think in the end it drags a little bit, and it takes away a little bit from like the giant battle when right after that you've got 
another like potentially giant battle. But... Yeah, that's why I was when I was thinking over this movie, I was like writing out like, okay, there is a lot that happens. It was like this battle with the beginning, another battle mm. in the middle, and then like, oh yeah, there's the battle at the end, and like. Like I, everything in between. I get the kind of the point is that like, okay, we've won this huge battle, but that's still just a drop in the bucket compared to like the, uh, the power of Mordor is still yeah. like so humongous that there's still no chance of winning. The ring is the only way to actually defeat him. Yeah. And that, I like, I get that that's why they do that, but I don't know. It feels like it just feels like, um, that scene at the black gate always feels kind of funny to me. Like, Okay, I guess we're still doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just sort of weird. But um, they only fight for a little bit. No, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I do like that part, that speech that Aragorn gives. Which uh, there was some piece of trivia about that too. That it's from. Frodo. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's based on a like a Norse, um, an ancient Norse poem or mm -hmm. something, epic poem. Because um, yeah, today is not. You know, we may go, the this is the, there may be a day when men fail, but today is not that day. Blah blah blah. I like Theoden's speech before the Battle of Minus Two. Yeah, well, actually, I like that whole scene. It is that great. was like my runner-up best scene um, when he's like death and like hitting everybody's hitting sword. Swords, yeah, and then you see, like when they're all running towards the orc army and the orc dude is like, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, mm, like backing up because <laughs> all these horses aren't I can't stopping. remember that guy's name. It's like Gorgon or something. The yeah. same guy played that orc that played the Witch King, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that part's great. I, I almost thought about including that as a, the best practical effect when they all run into battle. Cause although they added a lot of CGI horses, most of those horses like are practical. Horses. It was like 250 horses. Oh, isn't is like, that what he's, he's like, I want a scene with 250 horses. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> and they're like, all right, here we and go. And they filmed, and this is insane. I, there was some piece of trivia where it was like, they filmed it like 50 times. And by the end, yeah. so many of the horses were exhausted that by the last take, they were down to like 160 <laughs> horses or something because they couldn't use all, continue using them yeah. all. But I mean, that's, I mean, that's ridiculously giant. You can't even imagine like a, that's huge. That's like a real army. <laughs> and I guess, how do you feel about how Theoden kind of ends his in death this scene? scene? Yeah. Gets squished by um, a horse. I think it works. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really built all around his relationship with, um, uh, What's her name? His niece. Uh, Eowyn. Yeah. Yeah. It's all basically just so he can finally see that she's strong enough to, to rule basically. Yeah. And I guess keeps... Mary too. He yeah. proves himself. Yeah. That's true. That he can survive without Pippin. <laughs> yeah. That they, they're not joined at the hip, I yeah. guess. Um, but yeah, his death, Theoden's death is all about seeing like that he does have, that there's an heir to the throne of Rohan yeah. that will do just as well or not if not better than he did and she is no man she is no man. <laughs> um also in that same scene i'm glad they finally got one orlando bloom cgi <laughs> uh effect right when he's yes. climbing the mm -hmm. ele elephant <laughs> i'm glad you brought that up <laughs> it's like i was like watching it so carefully i was like all right is he gonna like flip in midair to yep. get up there like <laughs> so all three of these movies have some scene where legolas does something inhuman yeah inhumanly acrobatic <laughs> And in the first two movies, they do not work. They nope. stick out like sort of. <laughs> this one works pretty well. Where yeah, he climbs this the. One's fine. And it's surprising because this one's by far the most complicated one. Yeah. But it just it, like climbs up like a rock climber. But it, maybe it's also the the most realistic. Like somebody could actually do that. Whereas yeah. you can't get on a horse the way he like gets on a horse in two towers. You can't side. walk on a chain <laughs> like he does in, in um, Moria. But yeah, and this, he basically climbs up one of the legs, kills all the dudes on top, and then, yeah, and then he slides yeah. down the. Um, the trunk 
and with, to which Michelle's response is always radical. Oh, radical. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot. Because <laughs> yeah. Orlando Bloom is like that 90s skateboarder, like radical dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just realized I didn't say my favorite scene. You I said was about your, to ask. Yeah, you said Well, your... it kind of came up. Um, so, yeah, I said my two, my runner up and my. Favorite. Wait, what was your runner up? That the battle Theoden's speech. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one's great. Uh, mine, I, there were I had, I had a really hard time picking because there are a lot of really great scenes in this. But I think my favorite because it like brings a tear to my eye every time <laughs> is the "You bow to no man." Oh, at the very end. Yeah. So at the very end, uh, Aragorn gets crowned the new king, and then everybody's there to like you know. I have one major issue with that scene i think i know what it is and i agree <laughs> but i'm not talking about that part okay until after that they're going to talk you know, about it in a minute <laughs> yeah they you know he aragorn walks down to see all yeah. four of the hobbits and they're bowing to and him like, as oh the new God. king and he's like you bow to no man and then the king bows to the hobbits and everybody all the the, the living men of the world yeah. basically bow to the hobbits because of all that they did yeah which is like basically you know, there are a lot of big themes and ideas in the Lord of the Rings movies, but I think the biggest overall theme is that, like, even the smallest, most seemingly insignificant person can have a massive positive a effect on the world. on the world. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, these four little ho- goofball hobbits that yeah. started the movie just, you know, drinking beer and accidentally setting off fireworks literally saved the world. By drinking beer and setting off fireworks. Or beacons. Mm, sort of. Yeah, I suppose so. He set a beacon on fire. Yeah. And that's always the thing on, like, the Lord of the Rings memes on Reddit. That there's one that it's, like, where, uh, where, ch- where children cry and it's, like, when... Uh, where, where boys cry and it was when Boromir dies and it's like where men cry and it's you bow for no man. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah, so let's talk about your problem with that scene. Cause I, if it's the same as if, if it's what I'm thinking of, I totally agree with you. Okay. So I basically just have a problem with, I don't know. Well, in that scene, it's Arwen. She's basically like standing behind this flag and then it's like revealed that she's there and like she hasn't yes. seen him in forever. Like one, I don't believe that. Like all those people were standing out there forever. Why would she not go see her lover? Yes, because he after, thinks she's like gone. 20 years or not 20 years. He but, thinks you know. she's left to go to the Undying yeah. Lands. Well, no, he knows she's not. Because oh, right. Because uh, Elrond comes Elrond and tells thing, him yeah. that her fate is tied to the ring. But like why would they not run to meet each other like right away? I assume it's one of those things where like, I'm sure in the book that's a totally separate scene, but to yeah. save time, they combine those yeah. things. But I also hate like who made her carry this banner? Like to... the banner's not my problem. With it. <laughs> my problem with it is that that's this big, that's the big um, like conclusion to the romance, to the only romance story yeah. in the movie really. And she doesn't even say a word. There's well, she has that's no what dialogue I was about to say scene. next. I kind of hate how Arwen is played in this whole film. She is, like, kind of cut out from it, mostly. She barely... She has that one scene... She gets her moment when she's, like, about to leave, and then she gets her flashback, or vision. I think that's an extended version only thing, because I I don't remember that very well. I always forget about that And she finds out, like, if she stays, she can have a family, and, like, the chance of a family, and then she runs back, and then she's just, like, dying half the movie. So, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. She's not handled super well in this movie. Because she was a badass in the first one. She, like, runs from the ring rights and yeah. stuff. 
and I it's don't know. and I mean that's probably that's really more of a problem. Probably I would guess more of a problem with the source material than the movie that there's just not a yeah. lot for the female characters to do. With well, some also yeah, the other female character she gets her happy ending too. Yeah, that uh, that's, I was reading about that. All we want are babies in marriage. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating that yeah, there's a lot of writing online about how like. Um, Aowen, people praise Tolkien for his feminist portrayal. That Aowen yeah. is like a woman who um, sticks up. You know, she's a protector in her own right, and yeah. is a strong, very super strong, and literally kills one of the major villains. She should in, have had way more franchise. screen time. <laughs> um, and she, uh, she's great in this movie, but yeah, then the, her ultimate fate in this, after she saves the world in, yeah. in part, has, plays a big part <laughs> in saving the world by killing the Witch King, uh, takes over the throne of Rohan, <clears throat> of Rohan and then basically just falls in love with yeah. Faramir which also even Rosie Rosie Cotton she doesn't get any lines she's no dialogue at all I no she just smiles when she sees yeah. Sam and then they have five babies <laughs> but I will I mean I guess it makes sense in in a story kind of way it makes sense that her and Faramir get together because it's like part of the part of the like downfall of the world why the world's gotten darker is because like the the armies not the armies but the kingdoms of men have been kind yeah. of splintered and so, like, at, by the place where we end the movie, Aragorn is the king of all men, and um, Faramir and uh, Eowyn have kind of, like, joined the Rohan and Gondor back together. Yeah. Which I mean, is I'm cool, fine but... with her, like, it's fine. I just wish that wasn't the last thing that we see well, for them. But... And here's the thing. We've probably talked about this in other movies, or we will, I'm sure, is that, like, that would be fine and make sense from a story perspective, but it's a shame that she's one of only two female characters. Yeah. So it's like, if there were lots of great female characters and her character ended up getting married as yeah. like her final thing, then it's like, yeah, that makes sense. That's great. But she's like the only warrior female character. And, and the entire trilogy, it's been like her right. pining after Aragorn. <laughs> right. She just goes from one man to yeah. another kind of thing. So if there's ever another extended edition <laughs> where they add more, I want to see her fighting more. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if we ever talk about the Hobbit movies, it'll be even worse there because the, I think there's one, count them, and she one. Was made up for yeah, the movie. <laughs> female character and she's not, she just added in. Yeah. Yeah. But did you have any other runner up scenes? Um,. I mean, not necessarily anything specific. I mean, we talked about a lot of them. I love the scene. In, I mean, we talked about Mount Doom. I love that part. Yeah, I think um, everything handled with Mount Doom is pretty good. I and... mean, all the stuff really, all the stuff where they're in Mordor is really cool because they get to dress up like most, little orcs. Well, yeah, because like <laughs> most of Frodo and Sam's journey on their own throughout Two Towers and the beginning of this movie, and even really in in when they're all in the Fellowship in the first movie. It's a lot of like the landscapes are beautiful, but it's a lot of the same kind of stuff. Like yeah. it's rocks or marshes. And then they finally get into Mordor and it's like, oh, this is what it looks like. It's like a whole different. It's gross. It's really <laughs> cool and creepy. Um, and I also, we didn't talk about when the tower explodes. That's a pretty cool moment. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of trivia and behind the scenes stuff about that. But they were trying to handle that really carefully because while they were, you know, making the movie 9-11 happened and so they didn't want to end this big triumphant ending to be a tower collapsing well also yeah i always thought the second movie was very poorly i mean they that's what the name of the book is but yeah it was the two poorly towers. timed yeah. <laughs> like, um know. so 
yeah, so they they I love the way that it explodes and the way Sion dies is really cool from a sound design perspective. It's a unique kind of crash. The way yeah. it falls down is really interesting looking and yeah. I'm trying to think of the other sound design stuff that we noticed or liked. Because they said they made that tower have glass noises. Uh-huh. Um what else? Yeah. All the oh, spider the she was, lob, yeah. yeah. They said they, they changed the design of the spider based on how much they liked the sound design that the guys yeah. Dave I think it's Dave Farmer made up for it. Um, with all these like creepy, he used like this little alien head toy that like makes all these gurgly yeah. sounds and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of great sound design in this one too. And, and, but a lot of it is just like, how do we make this sound like an army of 10 million people? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and, oh, some other scenes that we didn't talk about, there's like the, the orcs catapult, uh, a bunch of heads, severed heads oh, yeah. into the, into <laughs> Minas Tirith, which is cool. And is it cool? Cool. <laughs> uh, oh and the, the nazgul flying through flying into um uh into minus yeah. yeah and a, and there's about that that's cool that's one thing this movie does really well which we'll talk about what it does better in a second but is um there are multiple times in this movie which i think two towers does this well too um where you're like well this is it gandalf <laughs> is gonna die yeah. or you know gandalf literally tells um pippin like well we're going to die and death is not so bad. Like he's really literally telling him like, <laughs> we're not going to make it very long. Um, yeah. What distracts the Nazgul there? I don't. At what point? When so they're he's about a... to kill Gandalf? Yeah. The Nazgul and the fell beast, uh, the, the witch King is about to kill Gandalf and Pippin. And then he gets distracted. Is it the ring? No, it's not the ring. Cause that's later. The ghost army. I thought it was like, he was, it might be the ghost army or... Like something happens that like makes him turn around yeah, and he I flies away immediately. I don't remember what it is either. No. I don't think it's the ring. No, it's not the ring because that happens that at the Black Gate. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But um, yeah, but that's, that part's really cool too. It might be when they're about to kill Theoden. Yeah, I mean, he flies... Yeah, maybe it's that Theoden, the, the Rohan guys come in and attack and that's why he has yeah. to fly away and help. I don't know. But anyways, so what do you think... That Return of the King does better than the other two movies in the trilogy. Um, so I think this movie visually does a lot more with like the emotional state of the film. So throughout the entire movie, it's thematically darker. Um, yeah. Like everything is really dark and like emotionally dark. And until the very end and then everything's bright and happy again, like it was in the first one, because mm -hmm. we talked about how the first movie is so hopeful and cheery and stuff. Yeah. Um, and this one, it's just like you start off in the pits. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I also think it does a great job of somehow tying up every single loose end and character, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Whether or not it's the best plot, like we already decided about just getting married and having babies is not the best way to end everything but i mean you get to see every single character that you've been following like their final moments including bilbo yeah um which also ian holm we found out passed away yeah recently. just recently as we're recording yeah. this happened like two days ago <laughs> so super sad he was the best bilbo that there could be <laughs> most definitely um but yeah I think that's that's a good I one. Think. I hadn't thought about it that way. Well, also you get to see how the journey with tying up everybody's story. You get to see how the journey affected them personally, like in yeah. different ways. Like some people had a happy ending, but then like Frodo, he's basically never the same ever again. Yeah, and it's interesting because like 
but Sam is fine, even though they went on the same exact journey together. Well, it's interesting <laughs> because you'd think Bilbo would be destroyed in the same sort of way, I guess, because he had it way longer than Frodo, but I guess he wasn't like wasn't on a mission like, to protect yeah. it. He just well, also, it. I think it's because um, the evil eye, <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> Sauron. Sauron. Yeah, I think it's because his power wasn't fully Maybe back so. yet. So when, when Bilbo had it, it wasn't as like and Frodo got stabbed by yeah. the Witch King too, and yeah. so yeah, he's had more. Frodo's basically like a shell of a man by the end of this. <laughs> basically, it's like a PTSD. He's kind like, of thing I'm almost. leaving too. Wherever this magical boat goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I picked for what it does better than the other movies is that um, I felt I feel like this one that both of the main storylines that are like. I think I talked about my least favorite thing of Two Towers is that it feels very kind of um, split yeah. into two movies almost. And in this one, I feel like the stories of Frodo and Sam and the stories of the rest of the Fellowship and the armies feel very intertwined. Like they're like, we have to distract them at the Black Gate so Frodo can make it in. Like they're Yeah, like, the timelines finally like converge. Yeah, it feels more like they're happening at the same time, whereas in Two Towers, it feels like there's not really anything in common about the two, like they could be happening at totally different times for all we know. Yeah. Um, which I want to, I don't know this for sure. Cause I haven't gotten, I haven't read the two towers book yet, but I think that it is like that. The two towers is literally separate. The, all the books are separated into two parts. And I think one part is the fellowship and one part is Frodo and Sam. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why, but, um, yeah, this movie, those stakes feel related. At, at I most, still do the wish time. there was more of like how much time has passed because, like, with Faramir, he's like, we saw Hobbits, like, a few days ago. And it's like, like that was whoa. the last movie. Like, yeah, like <laughs> for us, that ago. was, like, a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, there's a scene where uh, Aragorn, it's after the battle and right before they go to the Black Gate. His hair is, like, different. And it bothers me. <laughs> I forgot. You kept pointing that. I didn't, I didn't notice it at all. It's different. It's like, did he wash it? Is that why did it's different? It? <laughs> like... <laughs> That's did funny. Viggo Mortensen finally wash his hair? <laughs> like after all Method. of this, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was a pickup shot. I just, I always think he looks so different. I'm just like, how long did they wait? Like, did they take like a few days off to rest? <laughs> yeah. So I don't. That just bothers me. <laughs> it's a very small part. <laughs> um, I realized I forgot. I had one more piece of trivia about the music that I didn't mention. Um, while so it said while much of the score to these movies was a departure from Howard Shore's usual style, uh, Peter Jackson told him that to score the Shelob's lair scene, he should quote go off and pretend you're making another movie for David Cronenberg, something <laughs> like The Fly. <laughs> so I, you know, it's fun. I didn't read that until after we watched it. I'd be curious. I don't really remember the music in that scene. I wonder if it sounds more like a Cronenberg movie. That's kind Probably. of funny. I did notice in this movie there's a lot more like horror tilt angles oh for sure like framing and stuff yeah definitely his uh canted angle stuff that yeah. peter jackson loves so much <laughs> um you ready for the dumbest piece of trivia for this movie Bring it. <laughs> all right see if you can follow along i had to read this like four times to even understand what the trivia is supposed to be all right here we go brad dorf's first best picture winner one floor over the cuckoo's nest also featured scatman crothers jack nicholson and an uncredited cameo by nicholson's then girlfriend angelica houston whose father john houston voiced gandalf in the return of the king uh not this version i think it was the was like radio radio version <laughs> 1980 uh or maybe the animated version Crothers and Nicholson appeared together again in The Shining, which also featured Philip Stone, who voiced Theoden in The Lord of the Rings. 
1978. The, I think like, these are the cartoons they're talking about. What's up with this crap? Yeah. <laughs> what a reach, dude. So you're talking about six, Brad Odorf, who's barely in this movie, for one. Yeah. <laughs> he was in a movie with, which had an uncredited cameo <laughs> by Angelica Houston, whose father was in a different version of yeah, this. Yeah, it's not even the same ra- movie. animated version of this movie. Like, what? Come on, dude. That's yeah. a real stretch. That's like, you know, I could I could probably make up a piece of trivia that relates me to Brad Dorf easier than probably. that. Like, I went to Dragon Con and met Brad Dorf. <laughs> Brad Dorf was in The Lord of the Rings. Like, I watched The Lord of the <laughs> there Rings. There you go. Maybe I need to add myself to some trivia for yeah. these movies. Jeez. Oh, I did see in some of the uncredited roles, too, that Howard Shore was in it as a drinking Rohan soldier. <laughs> That's funny. We have to go back and find well, them. Well, is this not the best? This movie have the best Peter Jackson cameo? The pirate oh, yeah. cameo? He's like, rah! He gets killed. <laughs> he's he always like scene. yelling. Yeah, he's always like a drunken maniac, basically. I want to see him as a hobbit, because I feel like that's the lifestyle he oh, He does walk around barefoot <laughs> 99% of the time in all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that's uh, that's all I had for Return of the King. Any other final notes on this particular movie? I was trying to like think of did we touch base on all the characters that we talked about Gollum, we talked about Frodo and Sam. I have a question. Yeah, how do you? And I don't remember if it's the same in the regular version as it is in extended. But the very the final shot of the movie is Sam uh, going into his house with Rosie and his kids. Yeah. What do you? How do do you like that? I think that's fine. Um, because it, that's what Frodo gave him that book. Like now the journey, your journey begins or whatever. Yeah. It is interesting that, cause I, I think the book ends in the same way actually. And I, uh, it's, it is an, I think it's an interesting ending cause it is like, this is what we fought for. It's just like for a peaceful, yeah, normal everyday life. Yeah. <laughs> Shire life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was trying to think if there's how, what happens to Mary and Pippin again? Do they just go back and they all like live out their hobbit yeah, lives? Yeah, they just get real sad when. Uh... Do they move in together? <laughs> I'm sure there's more to it in the book. Yeah. yeah. But you don't really see what they do. I think the last time you see them is when they say bye to Frodo. Oh, there was a funny piece of trivia about that scene when they're when Frodo and Bilbo were leaving on the boat. Yeah. They had to film it three times, <clears throat> like in separate occasions, because uh, I think the first time they did it, they uh there was like a costume problem like they they didn't see it until they had shot it that like you could see sam's like t-shirt under his costume (laughs) or something and then they shot it a second time and something happened and the film got exposed Mm -hmm. so i had to film it a third time and this is like the most emotional scene in the whole trilogy where so everybody had to you know be crying and upset and everything and they had to keep doing it over and over (laughs) again it's kind of funny Um, um Yeah, I think we kind of covered everything. Yeah, I think that's all I got to say about re- the return of the king. the king. So, cool. <laughs> uh, so, let's see. How would you rank all of, all three? I gotta go first? <laughs> yeah. All right. This is tricky. I can't decide. That's why you're going first. Well, it's funny. I feel like I have a total opposite. If you would ask me when they came out or even five or six years ago, I would have a hundred percent said two towers, return of the King fellowship. Yeah. And now that ranking is totally different. Yeah. Number one for me, a hundred percent is fellowship. Yeah. Number two is probably return of the King. Maybe return of the King and two towers are both very close to me. I'd probably say fellowship return two towers, which is fine to say, cause two towers used to be my favorite and, and seems like the obvious 
one. Well, but. I think I think when these first came out in theaters, the third one, I think it was three, two, one for me. Uh-huh. And now I think it's one fellowship is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And then I think two and three, <laughs> like in order. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I don't know. By the time we got to the third one, like... I rate, rated them all the same. I think, oh, they're all like very yeah. close to perfect movies for me. I do think Fellowship is definitely my favorite, but two and three, it go, it go back and forth because like Helm's Deep is really the only thing that carries the most, I think, in Two Towers. I agree. I think and, Two but Towers. That's like amazing. If Two Towers <laughs> didn't have Helm's Deep, it's like, and not, not remotely to this yeah. level, but Two Towers is a little bit like Rogue One and that like Rogue One, if you took out that big battle on Scarif, it would be a horrible movie. Like, there's nothing to sustain it aside from that. And Two Towers is not to that level, but a similar thing where, yeah, if it didn't have Helm's Deep, Two Towers would be kind of, there wouldn't be a lot going on. It wouldn't, yeah, there isn't much progressing the story. Yeah. Um, But also, I think I go back on two and three, but I'm going to say one, three, two. It's the same as me. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, I think Fellowship... There's, I wish two and three were more balanced, I guess, between yeah. the action. If well, there was, like, an extra action scene in Two Towers, then it would be, like, more balanced. And Maybe so. And it's just so much To me, three. it's not even the action. <laughs> it's just, like, Fellowship feels like a, a contained movie. We're following the same group yeah. of characters the whole time. Um, you The story is very straight... Not straightforward, but the story is very, like, contained, and we know what's going on. We know where all the characters stand. Whereas in Two Towers, it gets very kind of muddled. And then as I love Return of the King, but it's also there's a little bit of like battle fatigue there or like we've well, seen maybe Helm's if Deep. we didn't watch the extended, maybe. <laughs> it but, might be cut better. Well, what I mean is like we've seen Helm's Deep like, OK, yeah, Minas Tirith doesn't feel quite as impactful as it might be just because we feel like we've kind yeah. of already seen this happen with Helm's Deep. Yeah. And Minas Tirith, you don't even get to see as much like. Uh, face-to-face action where sure. Helm's Deep is all just like Helm's Deep is much more like emotional battle because yeah, yeah it is more like up close a one-on-one and one battle versus like 6,000 versus yeah it's a like 300 sort of situation yeah. Um, yeah so yeah I mean they all have their ups and downs but yeah Fellowship to me feels like the most um, self-contained satisfying movie like if I was yeah. just going to watch one of them it would definitely be Fellowship yeah I agree and it's it is weird because I do remember le- liking it the least when it first came yeah, out. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause it, and uh, maybe it's because we're getting older. But yeah, as a kid, that one has the least amount of action. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. But, you know, I don't know. You, I, the more I think about it, it's like, oh, well, Two Towers, that opening scene yeah. with, the, <laughs> with the Balrog is really is like maybe yep. my favorite scene in the whole trilogy. And so all three are great. But yeah, if I had to rank them, one, three, two. For I think sure. I'm the same. All right, that's it for this episode. We're not going to have a mini segment because this move, uh, podcast is like three hours long. Um, yeah. So, but don't forget, you can always see a list of all the movies we talked about on our letterbox. Well, there's only three movies. Are we making a list for this? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it, I guess. <laughs> uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Splice Podcast or on Facebook at Splice Together. Let us know what you think about the Lord of the Rings movies and how you would rank them and your favorite meme moments. Just and tweet at us all your favorite memes. <laughs> tweet tons of Lord of the Rings memes at us because I'm getting addicted to Lord of the Rings memes on Reddit. Yeah. And also tweet all your hate mail that we didn't also cover the Hobbit movies in this and we will discard them. I don't think going to care about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk, if we do a Peter Jackson episode sometime down the road, we'll, we'll talk about the Hobbit yeah. movies, but... But we'll see you soon on another episode of Splice Together. Together.